0: says, get that India, big boy.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as Forty Twenty in rugby league circles. And joining me in the co-pilot seat, as always, is my good mate, Sixties. Plenty happening this week, mate. How are you holding up before we get to all of it?
0: Mate, I'm doing really well because as things stand right now, as we're going to record at this moment, we're just a few hours away from NRL season kickoff. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't be better.
1: You know, I'll I tell you what, on any given Thursday, you wouldn't really give a rats about Penrith or Manly, if you're going to be perfectly honest. But when you've had months and months of the off-season and you know waiting for all that pre-season and then three weeks of non-stop torrential rain, you take anything. And I'll, I'll take a couple of rat-bag teams on a Thursday night uh, and it's going to be glorious.
0: Well, mate, I would normally, on, on a Thursday start of the season, well, probably Thursday any round, I might be at the tab and having a bit of a look at including the Thursday night match in my all-up um, sports bet. However, I got no idea about tonight's game because Manly are rubbish in the first round. No Nathan
1: Cleary for Penrith no for Nathan three weeks. Cleary,
0: Penrith. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit back and watch and enjoy the footy being back on. So <laughs> uh, let's let's. Get into the podcast, mate, because we've got a lot to get through. We've got an introduction in just a moment to a new face, a new voice that will be joining us on the podcast. He's a man on the rise, a young man on the rise Mm -hmm. in the media, uh, works for 2GB, and we'll introduce him momentarily. We've got Eels News to get through, we've got NRL News to get through, we've got the preview, and we've also got our chat with. The Hills Bulls. That, first episode uh, of Parastories
1: 2022.
0: Absolutely, mate. So plenty to get through.
1: And I think that's a fantastic springboard for me to allow you to introduce our first guest.
0: John, I'm very excited about the fact that we have a new voice in the podcast this season. Uh, we, I almost feel like I'm sitting in the Mediterranean Sea now between yourself and our new guest. Um <laughs> He's a man who's involved in the media, in the NRL. He's going to have a regular segment on the tip sheet. So it gives me much pleasure to introduce Spiro Christopoulos to the tip sheet.
2: Spiro, Good. thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks so much for having me, 60s, 40s. I love what you guys do. I've been a fan for many years uh, of your website and the podcast. So it's honestly a pleasure and A great honour to be part of the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to chatting footy with you guys every week.
1: I'd I'd say the pleasure's more on our end, mate, but it's much appreciated that sentiment.
2: Nah, pleasure, pleasure. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Now, now, what we're going to do this week? We're going to find out a little bit about yourself. Uh, We're Mm. gonna we're going to talk a few areas of interest in the NRL as well. But this week, it's going to be yeah a little bit different to your regular segment because we're gonna talk about you to start off with. Um, you're a producer on 2GB, and we'll get mm. to your role in the media in a minute, but most importantly, you're a massive
2: Eels fan. Tell us about that. That's exactly right. I started following Parramatta after the 2009 Grand Final, or sort of in the lead up to that 2009 Grand Final. I was seven years old, and just to give a, get, uh, give a bit of background, my father was a Parramatta fan uh, growing up. He was a part of that that dynasty when we won all those premierships in the 80s, and he was a mad para fan, so we were sort of given no choice as kids. It was Parramatta <laughs> or no team. So uh, that was, yeah, that's that's what we, uh, that's how we got introduced to uh, the Eels and the NRL. And pretty much since 09, we've been members every year. We've been going to the games. We're fanatics. Obviously, we'll speak about him in, in a second. I'm in the media, but I love the club. Uh, obviously, we're in a, a fantastic position at the moment. The last few years particularly have been great. But we've really ridden – we've uh, been through the highs and the lows with the boys in a way uh, through those years when we won Wooden Spoons in 2011, 12, 13, and a few tough years. So it's it's great to finally see some success and some good results. But I'm a diehard. I love the club and, uh, yeah, just a, a fanatic all-around para fan.
1: No, fantastically said, mate. The, the indoctrination always starts early, doesn't it? The parents That's always it. get into you in your formative <laughs> years and leave you it's no choice. away.
2: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it was, um, yes, yeah, so I was seven. I, I've been a para fan now for going on uh, 13 years. Good man.
1: Sixties uh, mentioned the intro that you're a producer on TGB, and a lot of people would have a surface level understanding of what that entails, but on a more complex level, what do you do there?
2: So I'm a producer for the Ben Fordham Breakfast Show, which is from 5.30 to 9.00. Monday to Friday, my role is the night editor. So I work the night before from 5 p.m. to midnight and I prep the show for the next day. And as a part of that role, I organize interviews, write a few scripts. I watch all the news bulletins. I'm checking Twitter uh, regularly and I pretty much report back and I set a bit of work aside the night before, which will help them get a head start in the morning. So that's part of my role. But I also double quite a bit in the sporting area. I produced the wide world of sports radio show which is from six o'clock to seven o'clock Monday to Thursday plus sports zone which is six o'clock to seven o'clock on a Friday and that role pretty much solely entails chasing talent so I deal with all the NRL media managers I deal with people from cricket Australia I deal with people from the AFL and all the the bigger sporting codes to organize interviews with some of the biggest names and it, it's not always easy and We'll speak about that as well, Uh, especially with the NRL media managers. It it can be tough at times, but uh, I've got a way with words and I try and keep them on side and build those relationships and and that pays off. I've got to say, though, Para and Tamara, quick shout-out to Tamara from Parramatta. She's uh, by far one of the best in the league and always helpful, will always get us a player. So that's another part of my role. And I also produce the continuous call team, which is a lot of fun. I did that last year, and I'm doing it again this year. And that's on a Friday night and a Saturday night. And that role is answering the phone calls. So if you ever want to give us a call to weigh in about Para on a Friday night or a Saturday, uh, 131873 is the number. And I I answer the phones. I do the statistics, which is a lot of fun. So I've got a, a bit of software through the NRL looking at individual player statistics for the game and uh, tracking that throughout the season and, and just helping the boys uh, with content as well, a bit of the fun stuff that you usually hear on the program. And obviously, once again, uh, dealing with the NRL clubs, organising interviews and logistically also organising uh, the outside broadcast when we broadcast at the at the grounds for the games. And it's honestly a lot of fun. I enjoy what I do. And uh, I'm only 19 years old, so it's, it's a fantastic opportunity at a young age, to be associated with such a great organization in 2GB. They've supported me and they've been great. And obviously being involved in the NRL and the coverage of uh, rugby league and sports in general is just heaps of fun and something I enjoy a lot. So very lucky and and blessed.
1: Not a small workload, mate. And I just think listing your responsibilities there, I I do not envy you. And I think even Sixties himself might have been wincing, given he does all the liaising for TCT and (laughs) and knows some of the brick walls you can run into when you're trying to chase people down at times.
2: It's, uh, it's an interesting game and I guess rugby league is a bit tougher because it's one of the biggest sports in Australia and there's such a high profile and such a high demand. There are four radio stations that cover the game in Sydney alone and then you factor in all the other states as well. It can get hectic. Then you've got the commitments with Fox and Channel 9. Mm-hmm. So it's intense but it is worth it and it's all about relationship building. People have issues with some media managers, but I get on great with them because it's all about just building those relationships from the ground up. As I said, Tamara's great. Penrith are also fantastic. And uh, Evan, uh, who's out there running the joint, does a fantastic job. Uh, access to Ivan Cleary, for example, is great. And you know which clubs are good and which clubs aren't so good. So you try and uh, target them and approach them, I guess, uh, accordingly. But yeah, it's surprising and it's pretty impressive that the Western Sydney clubs are sort of leading the way when it comes to that sort of stuff. Parramatta and Penrith, the two best in the league by far. The access is great. And I'm really hoping for a Para Penrith grand final this year as well. They deserve it. They work hard. Their teams are great. The staff at both those clubs are fantastic. And obviously the the squads on the field are are doing really well too. Well, just into that now, because you were the man
0: on the ground at the NRL captain's call this week. And, and, you know it's a privilege for us to have someone on our show that's I mean in in essence you're like our lead into being uh, you know to you being the man mm. in the ground on the ground so that's fantastic I heard your interview with gutho mm. what was the thing like to deal with from a media perspective
2: he's a lovely guy guys I, I didn't really know what to expect at first I've obviously idolize Gutho and love him as a player and I've been a big fan of his for many years and i would never actually met him in person at a fan day or even within the media circle so it was the first time I met him and he was just great really relaxed happy to chat very generous with his time he was engaged he was interested in in what we were chatting about he gave some really raw honest answers about where the club's going and a few of the players and whatnot. And just all round, a fantastic guy. We chatted a little bit off air as well about the year ahead. And uh, he's uh, a father as well, which is pretty exciting. And we chatted about that. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, it's a it's a huge honour to be at that event and to mix with uh, some of the club, captain, ca- club captains and some of the club media managers was a, a huge honour. But for me, the highlight was Gutho. We spoke for about 10 or 11 minutes recorded and then a couple either side of that off air And yeah, he was just very relaxed, but just a fantastic guy and, and gives you such confidence as a fan as well. The fact that he respects media the way he does and he's so generous with his time, it's just fantastic. And as I said, it gives you a lot of confidence as a fan, knowing that you've got a, 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 a captain who really cares about uh, providing the best information and, and obviously um, giving this fantastic insight to fans of the club and fans of the NRL on the whole. So it was a great experience.
1: And it's awesome to hear that feedback, in particular for Clinton Gufferson. But the actual yeah. setting itself is quite unique. You get all the 16 club captains there, and it's not too often that it happens. Obviously, they do a similar thing for the finals with the eight teams. But in chatting to the, the various captains on and off the record, I suppose, but obviously more on the record, what was the, yeah. the vibe you picked up about the upcoming season in general? Any, any sort of storylines they were talking about, anything they were expecting?
2: So obviously, you would have heard that the NRL cancelled the official launch, which was meant to be held. First of all, it was meant to be held at Penrith. And then it was moved to Rudy Hill. And then it was obviously cancelled, the big season launch. And the NRL put $500,000 into uh, flood relief uh, funds and helping grassroots and and junior rugby league clubs in flood-affected areas get back on their feet because the rainfall has been just unbelievable. But they ended up having the media call, which was a really good event. It was held at Telstra, the Telstra head office in the city. Great little venue there, all the club captains were in rooms set up around the precinct. I managed to get around to a few of them. I, I chatted with uh, Daly Cherry Evans from the Seagulls, Adam Dewey from the West Tigers, uh, James Tedesco from the Sydney Roosters, which was pretty cool. And that was a, a fantastic chat. And Josh Jackson as well from the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. And I chatted with a few of the guys off the record as well. Something that caught my eye, which is pretty interesting, is uh, Christian Walsh, new captain, uh, co-captain at the Melbourne Storm. Very impressive guy. Mm. You could just tell that he had a real connection with a lot of the players uh, when he was chatting with them. He was very respectful, got around to everyone. And uh, I was quite impressed with him, to be honest. I've always, uh, he's a mongrel on the field and he, <laughs> he leaves it all out there. But off the field, he seems like a really good guy. So Christian Welsh mm. was quite impressive. Chad Townsend as well. He's actually, he's pretty interesting doing uh, a, little course at Afters, which is the Australian Film, Television and Radio School, because he wants to get into radio and he wants to sort of pursue that as a career post-rugby league. He obviously has that vlog, which is fantastic. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but it's uh, great access and great insight Mm -hmm. into the player's life and and how that all works. But generally, honestly, I think Guthur was was one of the most confident captains based on what I spoke to, and he obviously said uh, to us that this is the side that they've been building for many years now, and he was quite confident. James Tedesco as well was also uh, pretty optimistic about the year ahead. Obviously, had a lot of a lot, injuries. A lot of reinforcements last year. for
1: the Roosters this year coming back? Oh, health.
2: Big time, big time. You know, Sam Walker, second year in the role. Mm-hmm. You've got Luke Kiry who's going to pair with Sam Walker for the first time this weekend, which will be exciting to see.
1: Lindsay Collins and back from the ACL as well. What a lot, a lot it, of good players are back.
2: Exactly right, yeah. So it's it's going to be good to see the Roosters this year. A bit of insight as well. So i got a few predictions from a few of the captains. Gutho has predicted that it'll be a Parramatta-Eels versus Sydney Roosters grand final. James Tedesco picked the exact same thing. So both of them think that they're going to meet in the grand final. It'd be a fantastic matchup. Yeah. And I guess the Roosters, after the year they had last year, it'd be a huge comeback and redemption. But with Trent Robinson... Leading the side at the helm, I wouldn't be surprised if they really stuck their head yeah. above the rest. Robbo, fantastic coach,
1: Roosters line. Oh, he is. When healthy, he is. I mean, I say when healthy. One of the points that Sixties talked about last year was how impressed he was with their resilience despite mm-hmm. the the lack of resources they had. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned Christian Welch because that's a, yeah. a player that the Eels actually gravitated to and was within days of signing a contract potentially a couple of years back mm-hmm. with the club yeah. before blowing out his ACL. Those leadership qualities uh, and those intangibles made him a very popular man uh, for the club as a target. And obviously, in a sliding doors moment, he blows out his ACL, re signs if the storm does really well there. And we go on to get Reagan Campbell Gillard. So, all those little twists and turns in the um, NRL.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, definitely, Christian would have been a huge asset to our forward stocks. RCG has been brilliant the last couple of years and has sort of like resurrected his career mm-hmm. at the Eagles. But yeah, Christian Walsh, very impressive guy. He's a leader. He's charitable. I know he's done a bit of work uh, with the Mana yeah, Foundation yeah, a lot as of well. Community work, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be great. I think he'll lift uh, this year at the Storm and really take his game to the next level, having that responsibility as well. But yeah, great guy, and I mean, would have been a huge coup for Parramatta if we pulled off that signing. But just the way the cookie crumbles—that's a game of rugby league, I guess. These things happen. But very impressive guy, and I think he'll he'll have a great season uh, at the Storm. Now, I don't want to
0: jeopardise Spiro's relationship with any particular club, but I've got a mm. question for 40 here. Uh, John, how do you reckon the West Tigers decided on Adam Dewey going down to the captain's call? Do you think they did a paper-scissors rock, um, drawing of straws, tossing coins? What, what's what's your guess on yeah. which one of the yeah. five captains they choose?
1: You sort of open yourself up for those uh, little uh, jokes there when you pick a, a five, not just a five-man leadership group but a five-man captaincy panel. I imagine... It was in a way almost throwing a bone to poor Adam who's had that ACL rupture and has been, you know, away from the training paddock and getting him into the mix. So, yeah, that, that's how I, I think they did it. But, yeah, you could have, you could have drawn the short straw to the poor thing. <laughs>
0: now, uh, uh, Spiro, we're going to get onto some Eels specifics now because mm. that's what we all – we're all those – all of us are Eels fanatics at heart. So let's get into your opinions on a couple of areas. First of mm. all, the young blokes in the team, Will mm. What's
2: What yeah. are you expecting from him this year? He is, I think, one of the hottest prospects in rugby league. There was a lot of talk around Joseph Suwali last year and his performance and what he would be and how he would grow as a, as a character and as a player in the game. Will Penasini, in my eyes, could well be better and more impressive than Suwali. And last year he showed that, I mean, he got five or six games in the park and he was really impressive. And in the finals, especially like he really rose and and took his game to that next level. You could see each week he was just getting better and better and better. And I think we're just going to see that throughout the year. I hope he's eligible for rookie of the year because I think uh, he will take it out. I'm not sure because there's a a certain restriction on the number of games. I think the threshold
1: used to be three games in the one season. So he played the, uh, it was a two, the two finals and three NRL games, so I think he mm. just just crossed that threshold, which is unfortunate.
2: It's a shame, but I, I think Will's great. He's uh, definitely someone that we should look at locking up long-term and having there at the club as a young gun coming through. He's one of the younger crew, obviously, with Sean Russell and Jake Arthur and uh, Sam uh, Luizu. They all started together playing in the juniors at the Rhinos, and they've come through together. But Will is a crucial piece of the puzzle. We need to lock him down and make sure that is there well into the future. But he's one of my new favourite players at the club. He's only 19, which is pretty surreal. He has very humble beginnings. There was a really impressive article in the Daily Telegraph late last year about Will and, and how he was brought up. And very humble, which is impressive and, and good to see as well. And definitely a leader of the future at the Eels as well. So, yeah, expect big things from Will Penasini this year. Maybe he won't be Rookie of the Year sort of on uh, in the books or officially on the record, but I think he's going to have a breakout season and really cement himself in that starting side and make a huge impact to to the squad each and every week.
1: Yeah, the, the trial against the Dragons, we didn't really feature him much. We were playing down the left, mm-hmm. but against Penrith, geez, they they threw some strong defense in him. And talk about strong, he just physically is up to the task. So really, really mm-hmm. interested to see how he can build in that rookie season into that second year. But you talk about young players, and this is a bloke that a lot of people forget is only 21 years old. But Dylan Brown, he had Mm. a terrific trial run uh, against Penrith. He was an outstanding touch. Will he carry that form into the season in in your uh, perspective, Spiro?
2: Yeah, I I think this is the year that Dylan will really uh, make his mark uh, in that number six jersey for Parramatta. He played fantastic in that trial. Something that was a bit interesting as well, and I've spoken to you guys about it off air, is using Dylan as a utility throughout the year, playing a little bit in the centres as well when we need. And that could obviously make way for Jake Arthur to come into the halves. But focusing on Dylan, he's only 21. People forget that. He was brought into the league at a very young age. He's got huge potential. and, And great to see that he's re-signed because I'm sure that'll give him a lot of confidence going into the year ahead that he's got his spot at Para, He's there. He's comfortable. And, yeah, I think he's going to have a fantastic year. His trial form was brilliant, especially against Penrith. He looked electric, and I think he'll be able to carry that in uh, to hopefully uh, the season ahead. And hopefully it's an uninterrupted season injury-wise as well for that halves combo. There's always something. Every year it's either Mitch or Dylan. They've got something going on. Hopefully they can get a clean run. They can pair with each other, and they can really make an impact uh, as a combo in the halves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping Dylan goes well. Distraction-free year, he mm-hmm. mentioned. Last year he had a few distractions and things that uh, that bothered him away from the footy field, but I hope this year he can really focus on his footy. I think he can, and I think he's going to be one of our best players uh, in 2022.
1: You mentioned those articles, those self-reflection pieces that came out this week. I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. seen a young player be as, as self scathing as Dylan was on his 2021 efforts. And in a season where he wasn't particularly bad, but offensively he didn't quite find his gear until late in the run. Um, yeah, mm. he, he was really harsh on himself, and, and I suppose that sort of introspection might help galvanise him to better heights in 2022.
2: For sure, for sure. And, and the fact that he can acknowledge that, like you said, not many young players can come out and be so honest about uh, their flaws or their failures or things that they could have done better. But Dilbags, you know, he, he just came out, he was honest about it, and he was very raw and really impressive as well as a fan of the club from what I hear from Circles, I know a few of the junior boys. I, I went to school with a, a young guy by the name of Tua Williams who's going to make his debut for uh, the Jersey flag side against mm-hmm. – uh, is it the Bulldog this weekend? No, the drag- or the Dragons this weekend. The he's, Dragons, he's on the wing, I believe. Against, yeah, against the Dragons, sorry. So that'll be great. So based on what I hear from uh, Circles within the club, Dylan is one of the nicest guys away from footy as well and looks after the young blokes and builds those connections. So – it's it's great to have someone there as a role model for a lot of our younger guys, and what he did this week through those articles, come out and be so honest was super impressive, and and yeah, just great to see heading into the season.
0: Now we just want to flip it around and and have a look at one of the more seasoned players because Parramatta didn't add many to their roster this season, but one that they did add was Mitch Rain. He didn't mm. get a spot on the bench in round one, but he's obviously been bought as an important backup to Reed Marnie. Are you expecting anything to change with regard to the bench this year? Do you think there's going to be games where Mitch Rain is likely to be
2: used uh, in an interchange role? Yeah, Mitch is a, he's a quality hooker. He played a lot uh, last year, obviously at the gold coast and he was a great player as well at the dragons. I was sort of expecting him to maybe be on the bench uh, each week to be there as a bit of a uh, a replacement for for Reed just to give Reed a little bit of a breather and to help preserve him a bit he's obviously very injury prone and having a good hooker very high quality hooker there on the bench to come on for you know 20 minutes a game and just fill that void and give Reed a bit of a breather and help preserve him and keep him fit and even coming back from injury i know that it's going to be Reed's he played obviously in the trials but it's his first NRL first grade game back since we played the Rabbitohs uh, late last year. So I was a bit surprised that, that uh, Mitch wasn't in the side for this week on the bench, but I expect him to be there throughout the year, especially if Reedy gets picked in uh, the Marone side, which I'm hoping he does. I expect uh, Mitch to really step up and be there. And he's a quality signing. I think he's uh, a great guy to add to our hooking stocks. Obviously, um, having uh, Lussick there last year was, was good and, and he filled that void when Reed was injured. But Mitch is a quality first grade hooker and, and he's a really good guy to have there. So hopefully we see him uh, in action a little bit more frequently throughout the year and on that bench, uh, helping support Reed and, and help manage him and his workload this year. I
0: was able to watch a little bit of Mitch Rain's preseason. Well, I should actually say I watched all of his preseason, season <laughs> apart from the last couple of weeks when the rain has well and truly hit. I mm. was particularly impressed with what he brought to the opposed sessions. Very confident, very skilled, has a slightly different game to Reed Marnie in that mm. he will probably challenge the A and B defenders a little bit more than Reed Marnie does in his natural game. He hasn't quite got the same Long pass that Reed is renowned for, but mm. he's still very crisp with his service. So I like I liked his signing because I thought we need someone who is a quality backup, like Joey Lussick was last year. He was a quality backup for us, and mm. uh, if you if you're missing your top dummy half, you've got to have someone there who can step up and really perform the role as needed. And I think it was an astute signing to get him for this season and uh, you know I think there's probably some value in him being kept and we'll see how this season obviously plays out but I think there's there's a bit of value for him to be kept uh, maybe mm. for another year or two beyond that
2: and let me just, ju- just jump in quickly obviously last year in that semi-final against Penrith which was such a close game and so many people still say we should have won that game, we had obviously Ray Stone filling at Hooker and I think Stoney's great, and he'll be a loss for us next year mm-hmm. when he heads to the Dolphins, the the new franchise. But I think you need someone that's experienced in that hooking role. Ray has played a lot of front row, and, and he's played sort of a bit of a utility forward role in the past couple of years. So having someone there, and, and Joey Lussick was fantastic, don't get me wrong, but having someone that's had a lot of first-grade experience over the last few years in Mitch Rain is just the ideal backup for us. And I can't actually remember the last time when we had two really good hookers, your starting hooker and your your backup hooker in the eel side. I, I can't remember going, the last. You're going time back to
1: 2005, had... maybe Riddell and and Marsh, maybe.
2: Yeah, but yeah, I reckon. I reckon that's probably um, when we were were hitting our straps in terms of the hooking stocks and Piggy's obviously a colleague of mine. So. Piggy, if you're listening, um, shout out. He's a great guy to work with. I love him. His nickname's the Piglet. Uh, the big man nicknames him the Piglet. And, uh, yeah, the funny thing about Piggy, let me just – I know he's a bit of a sidetrack and a, a bit of a, I'm an aside, but I actually had a poster of Piggy Riddell in my room next to my change table when I was a baby, right? So I grew up uh, from birth knowing Piggy Riddell. He was one of the first NRL players I knew, uh, one of the first para players that I knew and sort of idolized. And it's so surreal working with him. Now, I think there's actually a photo, and I'm going to try and track it down this year, of me on the change table and Piggy Riddell posted next to it. So it's pretty <laughs> pretty amazing. But like we said at the start, it's from from birth. So my dad got, got me into it, mm-hmm. um, having Piggy. But he was a para great and, and an awesome player. And, and it's good to see that we've obviously got that depth now with two fantastic hookers in our side.
0: And it's it's comforting to know as well that having that image of that you were seeing of Piggy Riddell yeah. in in your infancy that it hasn't impaired
2: you in any way. Getting older, <laughs> 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 oh, he's a he's a great man, Piggy. I love him, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty surreal to to be involved in the media and have these guys um, sort of. As your your, your workmates and, and colleagues and you know I chatted to Piggy quite a bit even over the off season or off season preseason, and uh, he's actually opened up a, a childcare centre in uh, Shell Harbour, so he's based down there these days, and he's he's opened up a little Zach's but he's a fantastic guy and you know was, did really well at Para and yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of his.
1: Now uh, listening to a player like Junior Poi speak and then listening to other people talk about Junior himself. It's always been that He's been one of the pillars of the team, one of the real leaders on the field. He was elevated to co-captaincy this year alongside Quinton Gufferson. What do you make of that decision by the club and by the coach, Brad Arthur?
2: Yeah, fantastic move. I think it's going to be fantastic uh, for Guffer to have someone else to lean on this year. There's a lot of pressure with a big side and, and a side with so much expectation and hope for one person to lead the side. But I think having Junior there, especially in the forward pack, uh, he was sort of the unsung leader of the forwards, if you like, but having that scene next to his name as well will help him also uh, lift and have that responsibility on his shoulders will, I think, see him in really good form as well. And he's para through and through, even when he left the club back in 2016 when we had the salary cap scandal and went to the Raiders, I still think he was such a paraman through and through. And it's good to see that he came back and he's, set the league alight. Mick Ennis actually came out a few weeks ago, and we'll speak about Mick uh, in a moment. He came out and said that Junior's one of the best forwards to ever play uh, rugby league, and, and one of the best forwards in the game at the moment. I can't remember exactly, yeah, but... he's a bit he, of a he's,
1: unicorn. He's got that yeah. unique, unique mix of physical skills and athleticism yeah. alongside the playmaking.
2: Yeah, I, I love Junior, and he's a mongrel, and he goes out there, leaves it, leaves it all out on the field, and a great role model as well for the younger guys, but... In terms of the captaincy, it'll be great. Gutho will be able to delegate. And, and some things you can send Junior to rather than all the pressure being on him because there are a lot of commitments media-wise and uh, with your sponsors and with your members as a, as a captain. But being able to delegate that and split that a little bit might also allow uh, the King to focus on his game and and not have those distractions uh, that, that, that are associated with being the captain of a club. And it's not saying that, that Gutho can't deal with that, but it just will help him... Um, being able to offload those responsibilities from time to time to to June's. And yeah, it'll be exciting to see what he brings to the role uh, this year.
0: And speaking of leadership, keeping in that theme, and you flagged we're about to talk about McInnes, there's some extra minds guiding the players this year in McInnes and Mary McGregor. That's got to be a huge positive.
2: Massive. I spoke to Gutho about it at the season launch last week, and He sort of said that sometimes you walk around training and you pinch yourself with uh, such huge footy brains hanging around and being part of the club. And he mentioned that obviously Mix had a huge role to play in uh, helping Reedy and and develop his game, but also the forward packs as a whole. So I think we're going to see a unique and an interesting style to Reedy's game, but also to our forward pack. And having someone that's the premiership winner, been involved with uh, rugby league for so long, and he's been a commentator as well. It's it's really important. I think a huge asset to our side. And even though Reed is moving on next year, having uh, Mick there to develop younger guys like, uh, is it Brendan Hands uh, from Penrith? Mm. Is it Brendan Hands? Brendan Correct me Hans. if I'm wrong. But yep. Yeah. Yep. A lot of raps on that young bloke uh, and having Mick there to help him as well. And, and also Mitch Rain will will be huge. And, it's it's going to be great for our club. Mary McGregor obviously was a, I mean, he was a solid coach. He had a, a tough time there at um, at the Dragons, but a great player. I think as well, he'll help our centres with their defence and, and our wing. We had a few issues last year with Fergo there, uh, that Rabideaus game that we played at, at ANZ, now known as a core stadium. We we tend to have issues uh, on our centre and wing defensively, and I think that's sort of let us down a lot over the last few years. but. The unique thing about Mary uh, being a big centre during his playing days himself, I think he'll be able to help our guys a lot and and really refine that defensive element of it. And and that's what we need. I think that's a big part of our game that needed assistance. And and having Mary there will be huge for us and and a huge asset to the to the side. So I'm really excited to see the impact. Gutho said that they've had a huge difference um, around the around the club and around the training and. Apparently, Mick's getting there as much as he can, and uh, yeah, he'll be awesome. He was there at the Raiders during uh, their success a mm-hmm. few years back, so I think it's it's going to be good and, and huge to have him there and uh, also helps having him wrap Parramatta and, and favour us uh, in the media from time to time. I heard him on Fox uh, preview this week, uh, tipping Parrot to goal the way this year and be there in the big dance, so it's, it's good and it's handy to have someone like him on side. And away from footy, I've I've had a f- I've met Mick a couple times and just a lovely guy and and uh, awesome guy to be around. Knows how to flip the a switch on the field,
1: though. The biggest pest on it, but a lovely bloke away from it, eh?
2: That's it, especially for those Canberra fans. It was ironic, <laughs> eh? During that final. Oh, that, that was an and, iconic
1: moment, wasn't it? Yeah, he, ah, he knows how to press buttons. That's a real talent.
0: <laughs> great personality. What? I love him. One of the things that was probably the most disappointing about the preseason was the impact of of COVID for myself watching training. Because in past years, there were times we got the opportunity to interact with the coaches, have a bit of a chat, uh, closer yeah. view of the action. Unfortunately, tr- uh, visitors aren't able to attend training, so we're 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 there, we're watching, but we have a designated area that we have to stick rigidly to when we're watching it. However, mm. pr- just prior Christmas, um, I was able to see a little bit of uh, Mick Innes at work with the team. And as you mentioned, um working with the forwards. So I watched him, watch watched him working with Ryan Madison mm. and uh, just doing a bit of ball skill work with him. And um, we had an opportunity to meet uh, uh, Mary as well. And, a lovelier bloke you you couldn't have met, and um, uh, a- absolutely blown away by he was blown away by the facilities and what Parramatta has as, as its disposal there up at Kellyville. So he was he was really uh, champing at the bit for his involvement for the season. As I said, McInnes was involved with the forwards. So as you alluded to, um,
2: great additions to the club. Mm. For sure, for sure, and um, you know, having even Mary involved in the the Blues fold this year as an assistant with Freddie will be quite interesting to see, and, and if that sort of rubs off on our guys, uh, having that experience with a, a really high profile, high quality assistant that's also involved with state of origin, you know, how that will maybe affect Para or how it'll benefit us, and uh, see what that uh, see what has to come as the year goes on, and, and see where that how that plays out.
1: And let's pivot to the NRLW now. The expanded competition has had a couple of rounds of action on its own in the spotlight. The formidable Brisbane Broncos still sit on top of the pile. They're going to be the benchmark, obviously. But how have you Mm. seen the competition so far after two weeks of action?
2: Yeah, I've loved it, to be honest. I've always sort of followed the NRLW. I really like to feel the personalities in the game. And especially this year, having a parasite just uh, got me real in. I've watched both games, awful conditions last week. But that first game was such a thriller and so exciting to watch. I think looking at the side as a whole, we've recruited so well for a first year club compared to even the likes of Newcastle or the, the Titans. They've recruited well, but I think we've benefited the most in securing the most big names the likes of Maddie Starden, Tiana Penitani, Bo Tilvedi Welsh, uh, Kennedy Cherrington. You've got all these big names uh, in the female. Uh, ranks come to Parramatta and, and they they the vibe amongst the team is seems really good and seems really impressive and last week was always going to be tough but they showed a lot of grit and determination and it's such a, a tough game to play um, and I think as a women's sport, there was talk in the media this week that it is the toughest women's sport to play because of the physicality and I stand by that because the, the quality is right up there with the boys and it'll be super exciting this week to, to have them as a, have the girls as a curtain raiser to the to the guys playing against the Titans and having that beforehand. Hopefully, a lot of the fans get out there and support the girls. 145 kickoff at Combank, but yeah, it's it's been fantastic. I've loved the competition and the access has been great. On one of our shows, we had Maddie Studden come on last week, and uh, Apps from the Dragons, and Jess Sergis from the Roosters. Jess is fantastic. I've spoken to Jess as well off air she's one of my favorites uh because of the greek heritage and she sort of said well why don't you just go for the roosters in the nrlw and just you keep following para in the nrl and i said look i'm para no, through she's, and through jess. she's
1: always hustling i respect that i respect that trying to recruit a new fan wherever she goes
2: yeah it was a pretty gutsy move i've always liked jess because of my greek background as well she's one of the only greek nrlw players so i've got a soft spot for her Anyway, and, um, yeah, she tried to lure me over to the Roosters, <laughs> but I said, Jess, I'm para through and through. I'll support you. I, I'm keen to see you in action, but you can't take me away from my beloved Eels. So, That's yeah, a she's a great – she's confused. a great – she's fantastic uh, off the field as well, and, and she's a really talented player. But I've loved the season so far, hoping that Para can get a few wins under their belt and pull off a couple of upsets, especially against the Broncos in a couple of weeks and hopefully make the final. But, yeah, loving the comp loving the so far. Well, mate,
0: we're now at the pointy end where we're going to get your opinion on uh, the eels in twenty twenty two. First of all, a reminder that we would like to see those people out there early to get behind the uh, NRLW team. One hundred percent. This is this is this is a home match; it's their only home match as such during the season, and we do we need to do what we do best, which is we show the visiting team that they're in Eels' territory, make it harder for them to win. So not just there for the NRL team, let's get there for the NRLW team. And also another little reminder that after the match, when we're celebrating an Eels' victory in both games, that the tip sheet will be live with our Instant Reaction podcast in Parramatta Leagues Club from Jack's Bar and Grill. We'll kick off about half hour or 45 minutes after the full-time siren with special guests. Such as Steve Eller and Mary Kay from Ladies Who League, and uh, Timmy Manor will be there as well. So please join us. Even if you can't get a chance to stick around, maybe just come up and say good day, everyone. So um, now back to you, mate. What is going to happen for the Eels in 2022? What's your early call?
2: I mean, every year there's so much expectation. And hope, and will they break the drought? And I didn't really want to ask Gutho a question about it in the interview because I thought everyone it's asked every all the time and every year they ask a question and you get the same sort of answer. But off air, I spoke to Gusso and I've done my research and I've looked at all the teams and looked at all the clubs, and I think I really do think that this will be the year that the drought is broken. Parramatta will win the title. The side that we have in 2022 is a special one. We've been building it for a few years, and it won't be the same in 2023. Unfortunately, we lose the likes of Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali'i, Marad all big losses, Ray Stone. But this side is so special. They've got a strong bond, and I really think they're going to lift. I think the pressure's on them. They've, they really want to perform because they want to make a mark, and I think we're going to see that this year. I think we're going to see the guys really take it to another level and uh, really take it to the bigger teams as well including your Penrith and your Storm and we've been building for a few years we beat the Storm twice last year and they're no longer our bogey team and I, I really do think this will be the year that we're going to break the drought. A lot of experts are also tipping us to go all the way. Billy Slater uh, came out on on the Wildwater Sports radio show on Monday this week and, and said that Para are the team to beat and a lot of other experts are sort of tipping the same. I'm, I'm going to confidently say that We'll really go close, and at least we're going to go one or two steps better than last year. I think we'll make a prelim. I think we'll make a grand final, and and anything can happen on grand final day. Mm-hmm. I think Para will get the job done, and and uh, finally we'll get that trophy back to back to where it belongs yes. in the trophy cabinet at Para. And and I don't know a lot of fans out there that probably saw this this photo after the Penrith trial of uh, when we last won the title in '86 when Ray Price uh, held the trophy up. They've edited that photo with the King's uh, <laughs> face and and they've also <laughs> put Junior on the other side. So I, I think I think this is the year of the eel and, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do and it's going to be really exciting starting this Sunday against the Titans.
1: Spirit, it's been an absolute blast to have you on the show and we look forward to having you back as a, a regular on the tip sheet, you've got plenty of fantastic insight to bring in terms of not just the paramaterials, but the code in general. So we're looking forward to you being able to have your brain picked by us, and maybe uh, school us in a few things too. Hundred uh, percent. And if you're listening to ever listen to two GB, I tell you what, it's kind of hard not to name the stuff that you're involved in. But obviously, the morning show of Ben Fordham, anything to do with the sports, whether it's continuous core team or the wide of sports, Spiro's got his uh his fingers all over that and helping that work the magic there. So um, whenever you do listen, make sure to think of Spiro. Otherwise, look forward to catching him on the tip sheet where he's going to impart all of his wisdom with uh, us and the fans that listen.
2: Guys, thanks so much for your time. Real pleasure to be part of this, uh, this fantastic podcast throughout the season. Look forward to chatting with you weekly. Go the Eels in round one. It's always important to get a, a win on the board first. And, uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, if uh, you're listening to 2GB, Continuous Call Team, or the Wildwater Sports, give us a call, 131873. We'd be happy to chat. And always, guys, I've got my eye uh, out for you. And if, if anything I can organise, interview-wise or player-wise, anything that comes up, it'll be coming your way. And I'm sure that the, the pod will continue to go from strength to strength this year. So all the best and, and look forward to chatting next week.
1: You're a legend and a gentleman, mate. Catch you next week. All right, 60s, let's actually move into an area of what will be uh, Spiro's expertise moving forwards, but that's the NRL news and especially Parramatta-related stuff too. And we'll kick it off with a little bit of, uh, I suppose it's gossip at this stage, but we'll call it news Uh, going around the traps today. David Riccio apparently confirming, I'm not sure which platform, but it was mentioned on socials that he's confirmed that the Eels are acquiring or in the process of acquiring Zach Sini on a minimum wage. Uh, Sini, of course, was the... uh, New South Wales Cup star, 21-year-old last year for the West Tigers, who uh, gained a small amount of prominence for being highly productive in reserve grade and then making a splash in the NRL uh, for about a four-game stretch for a legendary mullet and um, scoring a trial two. I believe he actually went to the Cronulla Sharks this year and has now maybe found his way to the Eels, if Riccio's report is correct. Um, Not the high-profile wing addition that maybe fans were looking for. I know we've been looking to Jermaine Asako recently, but he seems to have elected to stay at Brisbane with his family. Sini just shores up that depth at wing just a little bit, though.
0: Yeah, and that's really, I think, what the Eels were looking for was to have some NRL experience, albeit limited with Sini, but to have some NRL experience with the backup wing position. So all things being equal, uh, Sibos back in you know what about round thirteen, round fourteen, roughly, yeah. Like I think
1: that. that window's pretty close. And you've got to think that they like what they see in Sean Russell too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we liked what we saw in the trials from Sean and predicted that he would hold his place in the first grade lineup. Certainly deserved to hold his his place in the first grade lineup. I'd like to think then, as I said, that this is a depth signing. And if this is if this is the case, if it has transpired that they've acquired Saxini, then of course we welcome him to the club, wish him all success with the Eels, and uh, we we move forward with the season.
1: Exactly. So if that is true, and Riccio's mail is on the mark, Eels do add a bit of key depth to a position where they were just one injury away from really having you know some question marks about who they're going to call up. Obviously, they had some guys in the mix like Solomon and Iduka they could have put as a rookie in there, but... Uh, otherwise I could have shuffled the back line around. But when you start doing that, it's obviously suboptimal. So Scenic gives them another option there uh, if there is a bit of meat to that rumour. But the big news today isn't Parramatta related directly, mate, but it was intimated on NRL 360 this week on the New Look panel, but the NRL has been racing the clock in order to overhaul the NRL Judiciary and Match Review Committee ahead of the season launch tonight. And they announced today the uh, following changes, uh, which encompass the judiciary, the match, uh, judiciary, sorry, uh, the match review committee and all the charges and panels that fall within the purview of both those entities, uh, starting with the judiciary mate, they're going to be expanding panel member selection uh, with former play, former coaches and former referees now eligible uh, to become panel members alongside former players on two-member judiciary panels. Uh, so I imagine this is to give. Uh, a, I don't know if it's going to help with consistency, but it does add greater perspective uh, to the panels and maybe it's going to help there. I, I, I honestly cannot tell you either way whether it's a good thing uh, in terms of the match review committee, which is uh, a, a body or an entity that's caused <laughs> uh, or garnered a lot of criticism in the past. Uh, they're going to have an MRC, MRC manager who have the casting vote on whether a charge is issued if there is a deadlock. Uh, so former player Luke Patton, who was also a, a member of the bunker in recent times, has been po- uh, appointed as said MRC manager. So the match review committee will remain independent with the NRL CEO and ARL Commission having the ability to refer matters to the MRC uh, for, to review an incident uh, if it was not captured by the MRC itself. And then the big thing is that the existing points system, including carryover points, has been retired and has been simplified and streamlined with players issued fines or suspensions. So beginning in, with season 22, uh, every player will have a clean slate, player records have been reset, and on a rolling 12-month window, uh, since their last offence, the same thing will happen again, which means that uh, the anyone that has an existing charge, which would attract 20% loading for a non-similar offence or 50% loading for a similar offence or 70% if they had both, uh, that is now a thing of the past, at least for their first charge this year. Uh, but however, if you are serving a current suspension from last year, you will be required to complete said, ex- uh, said suspension. So obviously, Murata near Corey for the Paramount Reel, so you have to serve that one game and other players like Latrell might have to wait a bit longer. I'm not sure what the actual timeline on Luttrell is now. Uh, so this is the new uh, baseline ruling. All Grade 1 offences will carry a fine except for reckless high tackles, which is effectively treated as a starting equivalent of a Grade 4 following on from a careless high tackle. Uh, there is a number of offences that will be streamlined into eight categories. Players who enter an early Guilty P will be eligible to have their suspensions reduced by one week uh, instead of whatever the current formula was. Additional guidance and video libraries of examples of each category and grading have, will now be made available, which is kind of concerning that they weren't there in the past, which probably shows why there was such inconsistency on charges and grading in general. Uh, so the changes will add more diverse experience to the decision-making panels, simplify sanctions and reduce anomalies where players receive sig- significantly different penalties for similar offenses because of carryover points, uh, which that's in my books wasn't an issue because carryover points were meant to punish repeat offenders, but that's a separate thing. Uh, in particular, to ensure consistency, a decision tree with video examples we made will be used for each type of offense by the MRC. Uh, the process will be easy to understand and more transparent. Said article in NRL.com comes with the new tables for charges. Uh, so most things at grade one will attract a fine in the vicinity of $1,500 or up to $3,000, depending on the severity of the charge or the uh, uh, the second or third offense Sorry, of uh, said uh, offense uh, and then there is a uh, maximum ban right now looking at this list is uh, a seven match here for a dangerous throw fur defense eight matches for a high tackle reckless third defense so it looks like the judiciary's been made a lot simpler but also the suspension is going to be on the higher end much lower I don't know if they're going to be higher on the median though that's something to wait and see
0: um well, My immediate thoughts coming in, is there any of those ungraded ones that we had where it was just sent straight to the judiciary ungraded?
1: Yeah, I I don't know how they're going to handle those because they often were the ones that sort of went to the highest level of grading. Um, But they did mention that the commissioner and the CEO do have the right, uh, or the commission, sorry, and the CEO do have the right to themselves directly refer an incident to Luke Patton and the MRC. Exactly.
0: And you and you mentioned there as well that early guilty plea has a discount of one, one match. week.
1: Yeah, one week discount now instead of, in some cases, it could be three weeks depending on where the loading fell and and what those break evens were on uh, the grades. But yes, yeah, so so,
0: no. so if you have a one week suspension and you plead guilty, you, you you're quite home and dry. You got no carryover points. I think that,
1: they, that, they've managed to dodge that because there, there's a minimum two game suspension now. Uh oh, any okay. charge. So, first first level yep, yep. charge is a fine. Second level is a minimum two games, but uh it could be uh three to six on a first offense, I think. So it ranges from two to six games first offense, unless there's like some sort of uh exigent circumstances something like that for uh an offence that is that bad. Like let's say Latrell on Joey Manu last year.
0: Okay. So the the encouragement there is that if you have an offence that is down towards that lower end, that it's a no-brainer that you don't contest it. You just take yeah. a one-week, a one-week yeah. suspension. Exactly. So, and yeah. The, okay. the first, the
1: first offence for anything that's a grade one will always be a fine, uh, or actually going up until grade two, it'll be a fine as well for a grade one of a grade one offence repeated twice is still a fine, uh, but the grade three, uh, sorry, a third time of a grade one will be a fine and matches. Uh, At least that's why it says, oh no, the early plea. Okay, here we go. This is, this is confusing. So if you keep doing grade one offenses of the same nature, it looks like uh, you will be able to take fines for the first two, but get them uh, lowered fines. If you take an early guilty plea, but for the third one, it's going to be two matches for most things. It looks like here, or you could take a big fine with the early guilty plea. So I think a lot of players will be taking the fines. Uh, And it looks like the way they've done away with loading as a, a formulaic thing where, like, it where it impacts just an independent circumstance and made it a factor built into the actual table. Whereas, if it's your if it's your second offence, the formula actually spits out the loading into the actual charge itself. So, right. So, okay. It, it's actually not a terrible idea conceptually. Uh, I'll have to wait and see how it holds up, though, because a lot of the way a lot of these systems are ultimately graded and and held up again is how they handle the exceptions. Um, it's all well and good to have consistency, which is what we do want. Um, and it looks like what they're trying to institute with the video library, which is, like I said, mind-boggling they didn't have that as a resource up until now. Uh, but now they have it, and they're going to hopefully have more consistent results. But how they handle those exceptions, like the Latrell incident from 2021?
0: Well, I'm going to reserve judgment till I see how Absol- it works. Absolutely. My, my immediate thought is I never like anything that's rushed through at yeah. the last minute. Yeah, it, it
1: just they don't have provisions for everything. There's always going to be important stuff overlooked, even common sense stuff overlooked. And I'm sure there's going to be something exposed in the first couple of weeks where people are going to be like saying, how did, how did that happen? Like, come on.
0: Yeah. You would have loved to have had all of this sorted at the 1st of January, if not,
1: yeah, at the, you know, at the start of the of new the league, pre- if not the, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I mean it, not that, not that coaches plan their seasons around judiciary stuff, but you, you just like to have that sort of thing. Just clarity out.
1: on the season. It's just...
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, let, with the season kicking off, we, we won't get too bogged down in something that's been a bit of a, a pet peeve. It's definitely something before. we're probably
1: going to revisit at some point, but let's not get bogged down in it right now.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right,
1: let's jump into the previews, mate, because we're trying to race through this podcast. We've got plenty of cool stuff coming up, so we don't want to get you guys uh, caught up in a slog Let's uh, go right for the previews. Let's start with the lower grades quickly. Uh, junior reps this week, mate, no action again. Uh, so the what's happening is the competition is catching up on the games that were suspended prior to the torrential downpour from round four, I believe. Uh, and the round five games have been cancelled if round six now push back another week till next week. So it's been a long time between drinks for a lot of teams, but there'll be a couple of games on this week, none involving the blue and gold, though.
0: Yes, for the Eels, their last match was in round three. They then had a bye in round four, which saw half of the matches postponed. Well, they were washed out, so they were postponed. And they are the ones that are being played this week. The following week for the Eels was the cancelled matches. And then, as just mentioned, this week is the replay of those postponed matches. So the Eels play their next game next week, which will be round six. And it will have been a three-round or four-week break between matches. So a lot of time for uh, introspection during that period. The, uh, the Tasha Gale sitting not too bad with two wins, a bye and a loss. The Harold Mats sitting with uh, one win, one bye, two losses. And the SG Ball hasn't had the best start to the season. They've got one draw, two losses and a buy from their first four rounds of the competition. So uh, pretty important that these last four rounds are played for the Eels because there hasn't been too much football and, and what's been there has been, you know, left them in a precarious position on, yeah. the, on the ladder for the mm-hmm. mats and the, and the ball.
1: Yeah, and so we'll be back into the junior reps coverage starting from next week where we believe it's a home game at New Era, right, 60s?
0: Yeah, that's right, and I think we go home two away matches in rounds seven and eight, and then finishing off with a home match round nine. So, uh, looking at looking forward to being back at home at New Era Stadium and getting onto the winning list again.
1: And while the junior reps have to wait and wait and wait to get their season back, we do get the start of a suite of uh, games and seasons. This week on Saturday, starting with the Jersey Flag, mate. This was a game originally meant to be in Wollongong as a St. George Illora Dragons home game, but that torrential downpour of ACOP during the NRLW last week means that their fields are out of commission, has been moved to the Kellyville complex with the Parramatta Eels, making it an unscheduled home game and a big win there for the Blue and Gold. Eels naming a, a lineup that is still missing a couple of plays uh, somewhat uh, confusingly alongside the New South, New South Wales Cup, too, actually, but we'll quickly run through it. Uh, At fullback and captain is newcomer Corey Fenning one of the preseason standouts. On the wings, Turoa Williams and Matthew Komalafi. In the centres, Josh Torpilotto drops back to the flag. He'll be partnered in the centres by Lachlan Blackburn. In the halves, Dantore Louis will be partnering TBA, one of the first uh, to be announced players. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Ethan Sanders, given that the SG ball aren't playing this week, and he starred... Uh, or played fairly well in that pen of trial, mate. In the front row, Peter Tateo and Dave Hollis will partner Cruz Natui Schmidt. In the back row, uh, Nikau Rafael, another new recruit, uh, is with the other TBA on the edge and David Tui, uh, utility lock slash dummy half at lock forward role. On the bench, Brock Parker, Ryan Jones, Tavida Tamoa Penu, uh, Jaden Skinner, 18th man Jack Colavati. A lot of new faces in this lineup, mate. Um, a lot of our. Uh, new faces that made some impressions in the preseason. Uh, Fenning and Duntory-Louis coming to mind. Also, Lock on Blackburn was a player you mentioned to me in that Penrith trial. A couple of holes there in the TBAs. Like I said, I think Ethan Sanders could be the halfback. The edgeback role, though, I'm surprised we haven't named someone. Um, Jack Colavati does have a history of playing on the edge there. He might just come straight in from 18th man. Kind of bizarre that we didn't name someone, though.
0: It is, but we will be doing our uh, best to be able to find out who those players might be. Certainly when we provide the uh, lower grades blog on Saturday, we'd like to be able to have that uh, filled in on the team list well before the match starts. Um, You mentioned Lachlan Blackburn. I thought he was outstanding in the pre-season trial against Penrith. He's an Australian schoolboy. Well, he made the merit selection uh, last year because they didn't play, but he was uh, merit selected in the Australian schoolboys team. Alongside Parramatta's own uh, Jock Brassel, unfortunately, Jock has a serious knee injury mm. and is out for the season this year. So he, he's going through rehab. He would have been due to play in the Jersey Flag this season. That number 12 is
1: probably Jock Brassel, isn't it? The TBA. yeah,
3: that's,
0: that's it. So uh, and and you mentioned that we've got a um, couple of players that have come back from the preseason. Lachlan, uh sorry, uh, Matthew Komalafi. And uh, Dave Hollis and uh, dropping Doppelage back Doppelage from the NRL preseason. So, um, and and yes, Corey Fenning, who's been awarded the captaincy. He he was uh, another one of the outstanding players from the preseason trial that we caught at Penrith. So
1: another um, another player that uh, our friend Ham and I were uh, discussing just last night. Al Raffo. I don't know if I had a chance to look at his highlights, but there's a little bit of Andrew Fafita about him. Big athletic unit plays sort of all over the forward pack. Uh, good footwork before the line. Interesting to see how he can hold up in our system. So definitely one to watch there. Interesting. And, uh,
0: I, I, and I did, of course, fail to mention uh, Josh Tupilutu, um who's also did the NRL preseason. And uh, Josh spent quite a bit of time at fullback in the NRL preseason. And people would have noticed him playing, uh, first of all, in the trial against St. George. He came on and, and got a bit of time there towards the end but he was also playing fullback in the New South Wales Cup trial. I thought he went particularly well in that. He's a talent. He came through with uh, the uh, in the same uh, uh, Parramatta lower grades, uh, sorry, um, junior reps teams as Jake Arthur, mm-hmm. Samuel Luizio, uh, Will Pennicini, Sean Russell, um, and Matt Comalafi as well. So they were all in that same team and uh, Josh was the fullback in that was was an absolutely outstanding prospect uh, coming through junior reps had a few injuries to to work through uh, full preseason this year and um, starting off in uh, the jersey flag but I wouldn't be surprised to see him elevated to New South Wales Cup at various times this season
1: exactly and I think uh, on the wing Toraro Williams was Spiro's boy so be, you know, hopefully he can put a good game in for the blue and gold uh These two teams actually met in the preseason, the first trial. I think Dragons won three tries to one in a relatively high-quality affair, considering it was the first trial. Uh, Two teams were pretty close in terms of the product, and I think Ham mentioned they've got an excellent halfback or uh, 5'8 to watch out for. So I'll put that one down in a little mental note. But yeah, that'll kick off at 11.15 out at Kellyville. Look for coverage on TCT, weather pending. If it's torrential, obviously I can't do updates on my laptop, but uh, if there is reasonable weather like we had today, uh, definitely be up there for the updates. Moving on to the second part of our doubleheader out at Kellyville, New South Wales Cup. Uh, Eels kicking off their season against the Dragons likewise. Uh, and this is another team with a lot of redactions after what they named on Team list Tuesday. I don't know what's going on there, mate, but I do have the original team as named on TCT at fullback. One of the preseason stars, Hayes Perham on the wings, Solomon Naiduki, and newcomer Max Lehman, the first player that was scrubbed from the team list. So I don't know if he's not official yet. Uh, in the centres. The ever-experienced Tom Opacic and the young stud Sam Luizu, in the halves, Jordan Rankin, who partners Jack Williams, or was meant to be partnering Jack Williams, another player scrubbed from the team sheets, team sheets right now. Uh, Williams apparently coming to us from the Sharks as a halfback. In the front row, Ophiki Ogden and Kai Rodwell on either shoulder of Mitch Rain. In the back row, Ellie Osgaham and Bryce Cartwright are on the edges. With Nathan Brown making his slow burn return to full-fight football. In the New South Wales Cup this week on the bench, uh, Brendan Hands, Wirimu Greg, Luca Moretti, and Dan Keir or Kaya as a, another new face. But right now, only Wirimu Greg is officially on that bench. Even though Brendan Hands has been part of the preseason alongside Luca Moretti for the entirety, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, I like this Team 60s, a uh, really strong starting team, even in the absence of Jake Arthur, who's playing NRL this week. Uh, great uh, impact off the bench with Brendan Hands giving a bit of spark, some real big boppers in Greg and Moretti. I'm not really sure what Dan Keer brings to the table, but he's a reasonable recruit from, I think, uh, Mounties. And then in that starting team, obviously Nathan Brown brings an oodles of an experience. Bryce Cartwright's a huge difference maker. Uh, Ogden, Rodwell, Elsgaham, they were all excellent performers, uh, either in the preseason this year, in, in Ogden's case, or last year on the park for the Eels. And that back line... I want to see Perrin building. I want to show it in the trials. I want to see Naiduki kick into gear. Uh, Tom Alperchick is just super reliable. This is a strong team across the park.
0: Yeah, so Kier, um, uh, he was, I think, up in uh, with the Dolphins in the Queensland competition at some stage.
1: I had him uh, pegged as a Canberra recruit from... Yeah, I, he,
0: I'm, I'm sure that he ended up... At Canberra, but also think. He's oh, expensive. before
1: that, he was in the Redcliffe system. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. So um, he's he's a bit of a you know fair size unit. He's uh, one hundred and two kgs. Um, not you know he, he's probably just under the six foot mark, something like that. Yeah. He's he's uh. he's around one eighty five centimeters. That's mm-hmm. that's around the, the six foot mark. So um, I don't really know too much about him, to be honest. Um, but as you mentioned. That is a very strong lineup. It's it has that sense of last season, where you've got the the mix of a little bit of experience, but you've also got, uh, and and by that I mean, we're not expecting that someone like Nathan Brown is going to be running around at New South Wales Cup level for anything more than a week or two. Exactly, um, but you've got you've still got you got Bryce Cart right there, and, and again, the he's someone is likely to uh, feature in first grade at different times during the season this year. Um, But with Mitch Mitch Rain again, that experience, obviously Jordan Rankin had that experience there last year. But around them, you've got bright young players that are on their way up. So it'd be interesting to see if they take up where they left off last year. Of course, the question mark for me there is that the halfback pairing last year of Rankin and Jake Arthur, was especially effective, and we don't have Jake in that team this week because he's been called up for NRL duties. Now, whether in future weeks we see him there because BA decides that it's far better for Jake to actually have match time in the halves rather than coming off the bench um, at this stage of his development. I I think it's more likely that he's going to get a a lot more minutes if he's put back to New South Wales Cup in, in certain weeks. Now, whether he just keeps him... He brings him up for particular matches, um, whether this is a one-week instalment because he's, we've got the likes of Murata and Nathan Brown coming back uh, the following week, we're, all will be revealed, I mean, when the next Teamless Tuesday comes up. But, yeah, like you, I think it's a team that is going to push into finals football. Again, this year, they were coming in equal second place, I think, last year when it was the uh, competition was called to a halt. And they
1: were scheduled it was to meet the COVID. better Panthers next week. It was going to be an absolute blockbuster lineup, yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, anyway, it's uh, it's all on up at Kellyville this week and uh, looking forward to uh, getting catching that game on Saturday, mate.
1: And that, this one kicking off, was it 1.30? 1:30? 1:00, 1:00, oh, I, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock this one. Yeah, 1:00 I don't have a lot.
0: time on yeah. that. Yeah, well, at, at least I,
1: I've, I've written down 1 o'clock here, so... Uh, Lord knows if I'm right. So th- that's a big asterisk right there, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening. But yeah, so look for updates at 11, 15 and 1 o'clock in these two grades. Weather pending, of course, but looking forward to our first taste of flag and cup action in season 2022. But that completes the uh, previews for Saturday, mate. On Sunday, there's another header. It's a historic one out of Combank Stadium, kicking off at 1.45 p.m. The NRLW, had their first ever home game at that fantastic venue that is Combank um, coming off their first ever loss last week in those torrid conditions, 10-0 to the St. George Dragons, looking to bounce back as Dean Witters and the ladies that are the Parramatta Eagles NRLW team try and surge up that ladder, chasing the Brisbane Broncos. It's a uh, minor series of minor changes this week, but that could escalate into a few more depending on uh, injury status of a couple of players. We'll get into that now. Uh, named as uh, such from fullback down. Botilveti Welsh, Tina Navidi and Rakia Horn on the wings, Tiani Penetani and Giuseppe Daniels in the centres, uh, Serena Toka and Maddie Studden in the halves, Kennedy Charrington to Mike Kelly signs your props with Nita Maynard at dummy half, new look back row featuring Christian Pio and Jamie-Ann Wright, Smy Matalfa remains at lock and captain, understandably so, on the bench, Shelley Malangi, Abbey Church, Philomena Hanisi and Ellie Johnston round out the game day 17, Extended bench features Jade and Christine Pauley, Tess Staines, Mariva Swan, Therese Eiton, Emily Curtin, and Katrina Fippen. Now, uh, what I mentioned before, or alluded to before, there's a couple of asterisks in the back line. Right now, Joseph Daniels Sternum and Rakia Horn Foot are racing the clock to be fit. Um, I'm not sure if have had an update on the Eels website as of yet. I looked before and couldn't see one, um, but they might just be game day decisions. Um, in the event that both are out, I would imagine that in Horn's place, Abby Church probably comes into the starting back line 60s. They then bring someone else from the extended roster onto the bench. If Tiani, sorry, Tiani, if Giuseppe Daniels is out, that gets a little bit more tricky. I'm just trying to think, Tess Stains, maybe Katrina Fippen. I'm not sure who is the next up center in the squad. So that's definitely uh, something to monitor. But they're taking on the Gold Coast Titans this week and a Titans team that are coming off their first victory uh, in an up spot, upstart sort of uh, surprise uh, effort over the Roosters, there you go, got there eventually. The the Sydney Roosters, uh, where well, they played some real good football.
0: Yeah, there's obviously not going to be any let up for the eels. The Parramatta Girls have struggled to get out, to get the clunkiness out in the attack, haven't they? It's uh, last week. Last week we can make excuses with the the conditions, but it seems that there's occasions where they almost seem to be getting in each other's way. And you can tell that it's all part of having a completely new team and the combinations just trying to get used to playing alongside one another. Last week was one of those games that even though it was a 10 points to nil scoreline, by virtue of the nature of the match, it was something that could have gone either way. It was even that sliding door moment when, the Dragons scored their try because the ball ended up in Very the Very Welsh drops, so drops a, in this intercept, punch. yeah.
1: Which she probably doesn't go the distance given the conditions, but she gets a good 30, 40 metres, I think, at least.
0: Yeah, and who knows what happens from there with the match. And uh, watching it, I, I still look at it and I go, if that's not a forward pass out of dummy half, <laughs> I, I don't know what is because you could see that the... Bo was on the Parramatta try line and next thing the ball's flying up at her hands above her head and that was you know she hadn't gone racing off the line she was she literally maybe at best had taken a step forward but she certainly wasn't racing forward you can see she was just caught by surprise with the ball suddenly being there the last thing that the Dragons deserved out of that was a try let's be honest and 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 not not paint any sort of picture of they deserved to try there there was nothing deserving about that play for,
1: for as good as the product as the ladies and women of the n r l w the players themselves are put on the field. I feel like the national spotlight on this competition has exposed something we've spoken about at length when it comes to the depth of the officiating in this you know great code, and it's not pretty uh, you know we We complain about the quality of officiating in the n r l but the reality is that the the referees holding the whistle below that grade they i don't think they're good enough for these high profile assignments and we're starting to see that in the NRLW unfortunately where there's been some frankly brutal uh either, you know oversights or or miscalls you know we saw our game against Newcastle where players were outright dropping the ball on the ruck and it was missed and that sort of carried into this game too where uh, eels issues aside where they certainly didn't, didn't do themselves any favors with possession and control of the game uh, there was still some shoddy officiating
0: oh and the thing is, you don't really know where to to point the finger with this, and we don't want to spend time on on having a crack at officials because we, we'd much rather talk about the product and and the fact that we've got girls that are making history and and really play, uh, paving the platform for um, future generations that might one day be able to play full time professional rugby league. Um, however, to to cover up. Um, some of the officiating would also be the, the wrong thing. And as I said, I'm not sure where I could point the finger at because we're used to, in the NRL, and we have our gripes from time to time about the officiating in the NRL, but I've said also time and time again that the difference between watching NRL officiating now and rugby league officiating that I grew up watching from the 1960s through to the present day, like, you know, you go back... 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and my goodness, <laughs> you talk about questionable mm-hmm. calls, and-, and it just wasn't in the it wasn't in that um, spotlight, it wasn't under the microscope of television coverage, the some of the decision making that was made that was just so substandard it, it wasn't funny. So to to look at what we've seen in the first couple of weeks of the NRLW. I, you know, I, I just don't know whether the communication from the sideline officials... That,
1: that's definitely an issue. It's, it's not flying the way it should be, it feels like. And as much as I like, I do gripe about officiating at times, I do always have to remind myself and listen to the podcast in general that calling a rugby league game might be the hardest officiating gig in the world when it comes to high-level play. I don't think there's a game or a code as fast as rugby league that has as much technical stuff. Even if rugby league's not as technical as, say, rugby union... There's a lot of things you're trying to follow when it comes to the ruck off sides, all the sort of you know corners that players and teams know how to manipulate and cut. Uh, so it is definitely, uh, as much as we, we bemoan some bad calls here and there, it is a tough gig. So I want to see the NRL try and get those systems and those structures in place to help the officials below the NRL get better, and maybe this that'll be one of the silver linings to the NRLW this year is that you know with a bit of more spotlight on the officiating on that level on you know which what is what is going to now be the games other a premier format you you'd think alongside the NRL is that you know they they start polishing and helping those officials take that jump.
0: I just wonder as well whether I mean we're used to in in the NRL that for certain periods of time, periods of time that there's like a team of officials that work together. You know
1: they get yeah, used yeah, to yeah, it quite, another, yeah you know, exactly yep.
0: And it's and in much the same way that Things are a bit clunky in attack with with some of the teams, including Parramatta. I'm wondering whether it's a clunkiness in the officiating yeah. that
1: blowing out the cobwebs that, out of their pre season. Yeah, yeah. That, that's quite Absolutely. possible. That they'll Absolutely. get better as they get match fitness as referees, because that is a huge part of being a referee is staying, you know, not puffing and, and huffing and trying to chase the play, but being on top of it. So, yeah,
0: that, yeah, that's it. And 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 getting those calls to the the Official in the centre because you reference those just straight out drops in the ruck. Now, we can excuse the person in the middle for missing that because they're possibly at that very moment looking from side to side or looking at the players resetting, getting back on resetting side. the
1: defensive line exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. And when there was when you had the uh official who was controlling the ruck, when we had the two referees, it'd be picked up most of the time for that. Now, in the NRL, it's probably being picked up by the sideline officials more than the uh, the person out in the middle. Those sort of drop balls that are out there, or or I don't know whether it's being tipped by the video ref, but um, as you say, it's been it's been missed. We also had on the weekend, I, I thought it was a, an obvious miss where the the kick went out on the full from St George. I didn't yeah. even think it was. close. It wasn't, not, I mean,
1: you know, their players were going back for the play of the ball. And, yeah. and then, yeah, the, the officials fought. Otherwise, then there's no bunker to intervene, evidently. Uh, so, yeah, that's a work in process there for the NRLW. In terms of the actual contest itself on Sunday, mate, you see the Eels prevailing, when, and who do you think is going to get over the white stripe first for the blue and gold?
0: Yeah, this is one of those ones where I, I I just don't know. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm banking on the Eels winning, and I think defensively, we're a very strong unit. Very strong unit defensively. A lot of resilience,
1: yeah. A lot of resilience yeah. on the
0: goal line. And maybe it was the conditions, but um, we need to be better in attack because we know that this Gold Coast team is going to throw plenty in attack. And we can't afford to um, be somewhere between zero and two tries for the match. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've looked at in the first two rounds. And to be perfectly honest, it's... We haven't looked at going beyond zero or two tries. That first round against the Newcastle Knights, it was a tough, tough grind. Now, we know the conditions weren't conducive to getting tries on the board against the Dragons. We just need to take that next step in attack this week. And Mm -hmm. if we take that next step in attack, I believe that we've got the defence to win the contest. But we don't want to be chasing... Another lead again this week. Um, we did it in the first week. Came from behind. We had to come from behind a couple of times in that first round. I don't want to come from behind against the Titans. I think if if the girls can jump out to the lead in front of the home crowd, it's going to be hard for the Titans to to come back.
1: Yeah, and, yeah I think it's going I just, to be a parochial force from the sidelines back in the girls. So hopefully the the fans can give them the impetus they need to get over the. The finishing line in this one.
0: I'm. I've got the feeling we might get this in the forwards. I. I really like the forward contest that the Eels had with uh, the Dragons last week. So uh, I think we're going to lay that platform, create a few spaces, and um, I. I think it'll be. It'll almost be like the uh, NRL formula that we had. Last year, where the eels completely dominated in the forwards, created a bit of room for the backs, and gradually wore the opposition down for the the backs to get a bit of room. So, um, I'm going to go for. Um, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to um, test any uh, anything that's unexpected in this tip. I'm going to tip um, Samai metalfa to be oh, the yeah, player exactly. of the match in this. I will tip. Um, Nevy to be first try scorer. I've got a feeling there'll be a bit of space created for her, mm-hmm. and um, I'll tip uh, an eels win of uh, fourteen to four.
1: I'm gonna go for the the Botil Welsh double. She's gonna be the first try scorer and the best player on the park this week, and I think the eels will go ahead sixteen to eight. So just a little bit more on both of your tips there. And that brings us to the second part of the Sunday Doubleheader, the main event for most fans. We'll be out there 4 o'clock to see the season launch of the NRL. And I suppose, given some of the uh, scheduling we've had in recent years where it's been big blockbuster matches against high-profile rivals, this is a little bit more of a subdued season launch as the Eels host the Gold Coast Titans in the NRL itself. But still, you know, no, no less an important game. You always want to get your season off to a big and hot start. And the Titans are coming in looking like this in the NRL with Jaden Campbell at fullback, Philip Sammy and Corey Thompson on the wings, Brian Kelly, Patrick Herbert in the centres, in the halves, Alexander Brimson, AJ Brimson as he's otherwise known, and Toby Sexton in the front row. The outstanding Milwaukee fighter Waker leads the way there. He'll partner Isaac Liu and your recruit alongside Aaron Clark at dummy half. In the back row, David Fafita, Bo Fermore, and Captain Tino Fa'asua Mala Ali. Uh, outstanding lock forward there from, formerly from the Melbourne Storm. So part of a very good back row there. On the bench, uh, former E.O. Will Smith, outstanding player, better person. Uh, he'll be there at number 14 with Sam LaSorne, Jamin Jolliffe, and Kevin Proctor. On the extended roster, Greg and another former E.O., Jared Wallace, Tanner Boyd, Herman S.A.S.A., Isan Masters, Sam McIntyre, and Paul Turner as part of that expanded teamless Tuesday lineup in 2022. Worth mentioning that uh, despite being named as such, there are serious injury clouds over Corey Thompson and A.J. Brimson uh, with a pair of former Eels tipped to make a start in their place the 60s. Uh, Greg Marzu coming onto the flank is expected alongside Will Smith at 5'8". So adds a little bit of extra spice there for the boys. For the Eels, uh, mostly as expected in the starting team at the very least on the bench. I don't think there's anything too big a surprise except safe maybe for one pick which I don't think is too bad in and of itself. We'll start at fullback, though, captaining the team as part of a, a, ba- a two-piece battery uh, with Junior Polo is Quentin Gufferson on the wings. Sean Russell wins that left flanker spot, and on the right, it's Bailey Simonson making his club debut. In the centres, the outstanding young Will Penasini will be there on the right, Wunger Blake on the left. In the halves, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, the second most experienced halves pairing in the NRL, mate, behind DC and Kieran Foreman. That's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it, but we can talk about that later. In the front row, Reagan, campbell Gillard, and Junior Polo making his first start as a captain or a co-captain for the Blue and Gold. They'll be on either shoulder of Reid Marnie. In the back row, Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i, and Ryan Madison. On the bench, Mount Krakatoa himself, big Makahesi Makatoa. The Volcano, mate. Yeah, the Volcano. Uh, Oregon Cafusi, Ray Stone, and Jake Arthur winning that final spot as the utility. Extended roster features Nathan Brown, who he mentioned is coming back via reserve grade. Bryce Cartwright, Mitch Rain, Tom Opechik, Hayes Peram, Urimu Gregg, and Magnum PI himself, Kai Rodwell. Very strong team from the Eels, mate. Uh, Titans, you know, you know, no chumps themselves. Got a bit of strike power there in the back line, in the back row, uh, alongside one of the best up-and-coming props in the competition. Few injury concerns might have them behind the eight ball, though.
0: Mate, I think it's actually going to be a big match atmosphere, virtue of the large crowd that's expected to turn out. For the Eels' first home match, that happens to be a NRLW double header, so I think you're going to, I think you are going to see a big match atmosphere at the stadium, which is what the team would want to play in front of for their first home match of the year. Whereas you say it's not what you'd call a high profile opponent, and again, that's in no way being disrespectful to the Titans, but uh, it, it's just a statement of fact that they aren't what you'd call a headline-grabbing team. They are a team that's expected to push into maybe the lower end of the top eight. Uh, Last year, very disappointing that they just scraped in, and in reality, their defence all season was ordinary. Mm -hmm. So the the first judgment that we make on the Titans is not what their capacity to attack is, because we all know that they've got a tremendous capacity to attack. It's what their attitude is in defence. So we know they've got points in them. Parramatta's job is to, obviously, to stop those points. And uh, the Titans basically have to have a completely new attitude with regard to their defence in uh, 2022, if they're going to make any sort of impact or at least perform consistently. (laughs) Uh, during the season, because if there's one thing that they weren't last year, it was consistent.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that A lot of their season is going to come down to a bit of steel and defense if they can forge it and find it. Um, big question marks about their ability to do so after what happened last year, mate, because expectations were sky high on the Titans and they sort of just, you know, ground to a big halt. For the Eels, though, um, you know, they've, they've made a, a lot of a big deal, a lot of talk about starting hot and then maintaining the rage this year. Um, trying to avoid that later season slump that has plagued them in the last couple of years. And it all starts this Sunday. They've been traditionally very strong at ComBank and before that, Bank West. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what we bring to the table here. We showed our hands, uh, you know, a little bit in the trial, showing that we're willing to play some adventurous football, regardless of the conditions, Um, up against one of the best teams in the competition in the reigning premiers, even if they were missing uh, several key players. Yeah, I'm really keen to see where this game goes. I think we're going to play physical through the middle. We're going to play fast on the edges. I'm looking for Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown to dominate. Reed Marnie to be a slick operator through the middle. And yeah, and just for Parramatta to win convincingly, I think, even if the Titans are a good outfit.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're going to expect anything different other than the forwards trying to get that dominance there through the middle. Uh, we, as you mentioned, there was a little bit more adventurous play from Parramatta, but even even that first try where it was quite spectacular, and we saw the the ball move from one side of the field to the other. We saw Will Pennicini break down the sideline, kick in field, and then the nice retrieval from Marnie and the turn turning the ball back behind him to Isaiah Papali'i for the try. Even in a moment like that. They actually earned the shift Now what I mean by that is the the players that were shifting the ball engaged the defense so the the players on the inside you saw fast hands yeah where the ball was like literally taken to the line or caught just in front of the line so the defenders were engaged, which meant that there was space that was exposed down the outside so, when Gutherson cut through the line, that was because he had that space and he, 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 didn't try to do anything extraordinary other than to get through that line. And you had Will Penasini looming up outside of him. So he got the little bit of the, the backhand pass to Will Penasini, but there was nothing in that that was an unnecessary risk. There was nothing in that that looked like, Oh, we're shifting the ball too early. It, it, by virtue of the way that it was constructed, that's why the opportunity came. So I think we're going to see a little bit more adventure from the Eels, but I don't think anything unnecessary in the way of risks. So I, I think they will. the The main difference is that they'll be looking to engage the defence a lot better before they when they're shifting the ball, rather than uh, in some of those performances last year where they were just tossing the ball out. And um, and hoping, so um, we know they're at their best when the our, our forward pack, which when you look at it is just outstanding, um, they'll be looking to get that dominance and earning the the ball movement that we that we put on. So, um, mate, I am expecting an eels victory. Um, just quickly before we go on, there's there was a little bit of criticism around the Selection of Jake Arthur on the bench. Um, I'm not sure whether people actually watched the trial or uh read the reports that I provided on the preseason, but Jake Arthur experienced like he was outstanding in the preseason. Um, but people and I, I wrote about it, but people don't have to take my word about it. There was an article in Fox Sports on Fox Sports today getting um. Opinions from the players. Now, you know the Dylan, players. Dylan's cracked you, me up.
1: <laughs> that is a uh, tr- very true to who Dylan is. Yes,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. So when you're when you're looking at player comments, obviously you know players are going to be supportive of the teammates. But what was being said was basically what was being reported in the preseason. I I was simply in my preseason reports giving. Readers, what I was watching, and Jake Arthur was dominant in some of those opposed sessions. He was he was literally like the senior half. And mm-hmm. and just to explain, they you know the halves go against each other there. So um, I was witnessing um, Jake on occasions playing alongside Mitch Moses up against Dylan Brown and uh, Jordan Rankin. Now. Jake was taking the role of the dominant half on occasions in in those opposed sessions. So when I was when I was reporting that he was outstanding and he was dominant, I, I give you the guarantee he absolutely was. And the players are obviously backing the his selection in the team. So we get that clear. Secondly, I look at what. Has happened in the past, and what's happened at the start of this year, and I'll make the declaration that I think that Dylan Brown is potentially the most versatile player that's in the Parramatta Club. We know what he's like defensively for a start. Secondly, we've also seen that he's been required to fill in at dummy half during a match when we didn't have a a, um, a dummy half on the bench, and he slotted in there when there was that when there was injury. We've seen Dylan now play out at centre. I've, I've seen him you know, just fill in where he's needed at training. We've seen Mitch Moses fill in for Gutherson when Gutherson's given an early mark, so he's filled in at fullback. So you've got versatility in the halves with potentially Dylan Brown the most versatile there. And if you've got an injury, it seems like it, from dummy half through to the back line, it seems like it's going to be covered by a shift of players. And ultimately, you're going to have one of the halves shifting into one of those positions, which weakens the halves. So if you're carrying a specialist half on the bench, like Jake Arthur, it allows BA to free up one of the halves, be it Moses or Dylan Brown, depending on where he needs to cover. And you've got a half who's in form, and is talented, and he can come on, um, do the job at halfback. So you're not disadvantaged by moving one of your one of your halves into another position. So I can see the logic in it. But of course, as we said before, as I said stated before, it is, in my opinion, um, not something that will necessarily stay that way for the yeah. season. Force I Jonathan
1: right right back next week from suspension. Nathan Brown going to have a game under his belt too. That's going to add further, you know, complications to that composition yes, of the, the starting pack and the bench.
0: And absolutely, and and Jake Arthur needs game time at this stage of his career. He's not going to spend a season sitting on the bench getting fifteen or twenty minutes game time each week. That that's not going to help him to develop his game. So we'll we'll not when he's not when he's already played. 80 minutes of first grade football last year in in different matches. So Mm -hmm. if he's off the bench and he's getting less than half a game of football, that's less development than what he was getting last season. So I think we'll see it for a few matches. We might see it for selected opponents. Um, And I think it might be something where um, it just keeps allowing Jake to get that exposure to first grade, but more importantly than that, it allows BA to structure his bench in such a way that he's got coverage for the back line.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, speaking of the preview game itself, uh, let's wrap it up with our first try scorer and margin, Matt.
0: Okay, so uh, my first try scorer is Bailey Simonson. Me too. And uh, my player of the match, my best on field I'm going to go with, you know, I was going to toss up between uh, a couple of forwards, Ice and Maddow. I think I'm going to go with Ice as my player of the match. He's,
1: he looked formidable against Penrith.
0: He did. And um, one of the things that I noticed in the preseason was he built into the preseason. Uh, last year, he was just, he just flew off the blocks in the preseason. Well, I was, he's based like, himself oblig- out of issue. year. Yeah, literally from the opening session, I was like, "What on earth have we got here?" <laughs> it was just, oh, it was he was a phenomenon just from the from the opening session. Whereas this year, I'm watching the early preseason. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, okay," and then as soon as we got into that post Christmas period, he just put it into overdrive and. Everything from his conditioning work through to um, the opposed work, and I like I was not at all surprised by his trial performance. After that, it was I think I think he's going to have another big season, and um, he's my tip for best on field for round one.
1: Yeah, like you, I went Bailey Simonson first try score, although it was a close run thing with uh, the other flanker Sean Russell because we do love to play to our left in the red zone. Uh, but I am going to give the tip to Bailey. I'm going to go for a pretty comprehensive Parramatta victory to the tune of 34-6. Uh, and I'm going to go for a captain's knock from the newly installed co-captain Junior Paulo to be best on field. Uh, I think Junior's primed to explode again this year and really establish himself as arguably the best prop in the game.
0: I'm going to... I didn't give you my um, full-time score. I'm going to go for a slightly higher score. Eels 30, Titans 16
1: that uh, I mean, that's probably more likely than my score, if I'm going to be honest. But I would love to see us get out to such a strong start to the season, both offensively and defensively. Kickoff, obviously, for that game, 4 o'clock. Uh, if you're at the game, at the ground and sticking around, make sure to catch myself in 60s for the post-game coverage in the Leagues Club. Uh, 60s up uh, at uh, Jack's Bar and Grill, formerly Pablo's, but uh, now Jack's. And
0: we'll- Yeah, we should be... Uh- uh, we're aiming to kick off uh, between 30 to 40 minutes after full-time. We've got Steve Ella there. We've got um, Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Timmy Mann is going to be there. We're going to be celebrating Eels' victories in both matches. Come up there, enjoy, it, enjoy the celebrations, be ready to talk some footy, have a bit of a think, have a bit of a reflection on the game and uh, have a listen to some legends talk about the game. And I'm not talking about us. <laughs> <in that
1: regard. laughs> uh, never was is our, is our title right there, That's mate. It. That's it. Um, but let's wrap up this uh, monster podcast with our final segment. and got another set of guests on talking about junior footy, and I'll let you do the introduction here, mate.
0: There are certain clubs which are synonymous with the Parramatta District Junior Rugby League, and it's fair to say that if people were asked to list the local junior clubs in the Parramatta District, The Hills Bulls would feature on everybody's list. Today, we're pleased to speak all things Bulls with Club President Michael Gremo and Secretary Rick Palin. Uh, Rick and Michael, thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks for having us.
0: us. Uh, So we're just going to dig straight into it. And I think, uh, Michael, you're probably... Uh, an appropriate person to uh, talk about the history of the club because I believe it relates back to uh, your father with this one. But the club has a rich history that dates back to the first season being the 1964 season. Um, The club is also Blue Shield accredited and a member of the Good Sports Program. You must be proud not only of the longevity of of the club, but also the structure and strength
4: of the Bulls. Yeah, we certainly are, and thank you for that nice introduction. But, yeah, the old man started the club, or should say my dad, since the radio interview, Um, back in 1963 with about four other gents that are at the local Bull and Bush. The boys were all playing rugby union. However, they loved rugby league, and there was no club in the district, so they decided to uh, start the Bulls. Um, Those days... Back then, they were running around knocking on doors and trying to get players to play and kids to play and had to go and pick the kids up uh, to turn up to training. So, I mean, the club, the volunteers started back then and they're still going today and it's a, a major strength of why we are where we are now.
1: The very definition of grassroots footy, isn't it?
4: Yeah, certainly is, certainly is. And, uh, you know, you've got some of those guys that uh, started the club back then, they're still down, coming down, watching the juniors, handing out presenting jerseys to senior guys and talking to them about the club's history and what the Bulls mean to them.
1: So just digging into the historical perspective that Sixties mentioned and you followed up on, there's been some famous names associated with the club, including a real wealth of first-grade players. Can you share a list of the players who started their football journey at the Bulls?
4: Yeah, we started in 1963, I think it was 1965, we won our first A reserve grade premiership and in 72, we won our first A grade premiership and in that team was uh, Johnny Colk and Ron Hilditch. Obviously, they both went on to play for Australia. Um, John and Ron still come down every year and uh, present jerseys and speak to them about their experience and how the Bulls gave them their first uh, opportunity to play rugby league and go on to Parramatta and then obviously Australia. Well, uh, it's, it's, interesting. it's interesting you mentioned
0: that um, uh, the those two players because they were um, very famous Eels players for... For any of our younger listeners that um, that aren't quite aware of the some of the history of the of the Parramatta Reels, uh, Johnny Colk and, and Ron Hilditch were household names in the uh, in the 1970s certainly at, at Parramatta, and then uh, Ronnie Hilditch with um, some of the early premierships as well. So uh, great names from the past there.
3: Yeah, they're also our um, the club, the, uh, club patrons, and their names are actually uh, are up on our um, uh, both outfields So both our fields are actually named after them. Um, They're very, very fitting for for those blokes to be part of the club. Now, just moving through to
0: the current day, you field teams from under sixes through to Ron Massey and Sydney Shield. How important is it for the club to offer senior football for its players?
4: You know, it's huge. It's something that we've we've always tried to do at the Bulls. So we've got a pathway for our players to come through, right from the under sixes all the way through. Um, and then, obviously, that's linked into the Ron Massey feeding into the North Sydney Bears who feed in to the Sydney Roosters. Obviously, a lot of our players through to Parramatta as well, which is our junior club, um, and all the junior reps go there as well. Um, going back to some other players that played as well, obviously, you've got your Heathless Strangers that won the NRL Grand Final with Manly in 2008 with Dave Wolfman-Williams. Um Peaky actually come back to play with us when he retired from NRL and um, play with us in the Ron Massey as well, which is great to see those young kids going right through and then doing the full circle and coming back for the club that they started with.
1: I'm pretty certain I caught Heath playing for the Bulls uh, at a game at Ringrose once in the, in the RMC. So, yeah, really cool to see those careers come full circle.
4: Yeah, no, it certainly is. I mean, you've got the other... Likes of uh, Blake Green, who just recently retired, obviously. Josh Curran with the uh, Warriors. Mm -hmm. Josh came down last year and he was handing out jerseys and speaking to players after the game. There's Paulie Paulie, um, obviously still playing over in the UK. Um, You've got, uh, obviously, also Luke Keery and Ryan Pappenhausen, who are currently playing and, and playing very well in the NRL. I mean, Luke Keary, absolute champion bloke. Um, whenever we bring him for the mini clinic or to come down and present jerseys, um, he's there without fail. Uh, that's, you don't that, that hear all those great stories.
1: Yeah, and that, that's something we, we bemoan um, on TCT as well as the fact that obviously there's so much negative press around the game for a variety of reasons, uh, whether it's warranted or not, but there are so many fantastic stories about you know these men and, and the women too in the NRLW uh, that are giving back at, at the local level uh, just selflessly. So really cool to hear that the Bulls have such a strong connection uh, with their alumni there.
4: Yeah, you're very right there. I don't think all the players get the wraps that they that they should um, out of the game. There's a very small percentage of players that do the wrong thing um, and they're punishly, punished and deservingly so. But, um, you know, the majority of players and people that represent the game are doing the right thing and they're in there for the right reason and, you know, that should be reflected in the media, we
1: feel. Well, speaking about good things, we, we just saw the Eagles make a little bit of NRLW history on Sunday with their uh, field goal victory over uh, the Newcastle Knights. And speaking of the the female space, uh, the growth area in women's and girls rugby week has been a shining light for the code and for the game. What's been happening there for the Bulls in recent times?
4: Yeah, no, it certainly is. It was great to see. I'm a Parramatta supporter too, so it's good to see two great wins on the weekend. Um, hopefully that's reflected for the rest of the season. No, oh, yeah, we we always we, we're always build
0: up in the pre-season and begin every year with that great hope. So let's hope you,
4: so. You sound like you're a Parramatta supporter too,
0: Oh, um, right. mate. Since the '60s, since the '60s, so uh, a bit of a tragic.
4: Yes. No, no. The the girls and uh, the increase in participation is great. With that said. Um, The Hills Bulls, we've always had girls playing there in the juniors, which we're very proud of. Um, It was back in 2015, we fielded two um, girls rugby league teams, which actually both played in the grand final and played against each other. So we had a first and second that year, which was great. Um, and then the Aus Tag, obviously, we've got three and a half thousand players down there playing OzTag, and our ladies and girls' participation has been unbelievable. This that's, year we're fielding that's, that's, another rugby league team. It'll be the
1: under four teams. That's Yeah, That's excellent numbers. That's really, really encouraging to hear, so well done to Bulls.
4: Yeah, and then the league tag, we should also mention that, obviously. Um, as soon as that was kicked off in the Parramatta district, uh, we backed it. We, all, we always back all of Parramatta's initiatives. They're a great club with different things like that. Um, we were the only team to have league tag, girls league tag teams in there to start off with, which I think we had six or seven to start off with, Rick. And then, you know, we're continuing that on every year, which obviously that's spread across to the New South Wales competition.
0: And And look, I really think that the... Uh, league tag competitions, for, especially for some of the the younger players, uh, are a great lead in to uh, the game of rugby league itself because it's a completely different game to touch football. With uh, yeah. you know a lot of the rules being similar to rugby league, just taking out that that contact component. And uh, I think it it develops a, an interest in being part of a team and and in the game itself, the skill aspect of the game. So. I congratulate any of the any clubs that get themselves involved with league tag and offer that as a an opportunity because I
4: think you're setting up for the future growth of the club when you do that. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's something that will definitely grow over the years. Um, the league tag. I know the under sixes this year are, are starting off with the tag um, prior to going into tackle, um, which That's I suppose is a good thing. That's the tackle yeah. ready program, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I think that's okay. But um, one thing we've got to remember I think um, the the earlier the kids learn to actually tackle um, and obviously they're coached properly to do that, it just makes it so much easier to blend into the tackle game. Building those good
1: habits early on. Yeah.
4: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really, that's
0: as much from a safety aspect as anything else, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. Um, and as I say, the, the earlier you learn to do it, the it just becomes second nature for the kids to be able to tackle. So yeah. it's one of those things. I think it's good to introduce them and get the get the kids in. But we have a lot of parents ask those questions when they come down to different training sessions or um, we have different, uh, you know, at the registrations, we have different information nights and things like that. So the parents can ask all those questions or just come along to some training venues and have a look to see what we do with the kids. Uh, just with regard to this year, um,
0: COVID has caused a tremendous disruption in all areas of the community over the last couple of years, especially community sport. How many junior players are you expecting to register for 2022? Uh, yeah, it's
3: obviously been a very different couple of years for sport in general, Um but we're seeing big numbers registering already this year so far in our 2022 season. I think everyone's really keen for a full season, and we are, we are expecting hopefully to field again, 40-plus um, teams and probably around 650 players. Um, we'll be running teams um, from our under-sixes right through to our under-18s in rugby league, our under-14 girls rugby league, uh, under-11s, 13s, 15s and 17s league tag, plus our um, senior teams, A-grade, Sydney Short and Ron Massey. Uh, but, and on top of that, we also have our autumn touch football competition, which is played midweek, and um, then we start also um, our winter odds tag and um, our um, summer comp, and um, we'll start registrations again in July. I only just finished the um, summer, summer comp. So we've got a lot of – and we've also had a lot of interest, and in, we've had a lot of four- to eight-year-olds register off the back of our mini clinics, which is an initiative we've been running for many years um, to introduce kids to rugby league, Along with our um, Hill Sports Academy, which is a program we run for our uh, 13-year-olds, to assist with building their skills ahead of their representative years. So there's, um, there's a fair bit, fair bit that we're, um, we're we're doing to, to bring in numbers, and um, it's like, especially mini clinics seems to be very successful year on year. We we attract 70, generally about 50 to 70 kids along to that, and we could pull in anything from one to two under 16s from that.
1: One of the things that always blows my mind when we have these conversations with clubs in the Parramatta Junior District is just the, the scope of your reach and, and the amount of people that you impact is just – it's almost like I'm, you can't really fathom it because you just said – I think you said well, you have 650 mainline NRL like, or rugby league registered players coming into this season. And that, that's, yeah, yes. that, that's ignoring all the other programs you have between – uh, you know the the touch and the the league tag and whatnot, and you know you think about all the family members part of, as part of those players that they're you know boys and girls. You're just talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people that just are involved in these junior clubs and and just coming together to play rugby league. It's it's actually kind of mind blowing when you put it that way.
4: Certainly is, and then you know our summer Oztag competitions. We've got three and a half thousand registered players there, wow. so um, you know that was great social. Um, event for all of the families to come down to which the pandemic didn't help obviously because there's only players allowed onto the fields now and um, the parents have to had to come and go um, after before and after the games without watching other friends and things so that will change again uh, which obviously out of those three and a half thousand players you've got mums and dads and siblings and everyone else that come down to see the club as well.
1: Now I want you boys to know that I am am very firmly but gently knocking on wood as I ask this question. But what plans have have balls made to bounce back from the pandemic as things open back up again and and you get back to what we hope is full flight as a club?
4: Hopefully, no more COVID. Yeah, be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. When you could organise that yeah, for the, us.
1: Yeah, the, the, the knock on wood, knocking on wood is very real, boys. Uh, we we don't want to have another setback uh, in regards to COVID again because. You know, We know that in terms of small business and, and even big business, it's been just so debilitating um, and that, that's flowed down to junior rugby clubs too. But uh, how, how are you boys going to, once again, if things go to, scal- like to plan, scale back up to full operations? Is there anything special planned or is it just going to be business as usual?
4: From a volunteer's point of view, I mean, we only played about 60 or 70% of the season for the last two years. However... The amount of work and effort we had to put in and the volunteers, we were just worn out Um, the amount of extra effort you had to put into the club. But anyway, that's why we're there. That's why we love the the job. But 2022, we've got a lot of things coming up that we want to do, which will be fantastic for the whole club, which builds our culture. That's a a very big word within the Hills Bulls. Mm So we've got a golf day planned. uh, It's coming up on the 18th, Friday the 18th of March, which we've got a fair few people going. We've got a um, Hills launch season presentation happening on the 13th of March. And then later on in the year, we'll have our sports lunch that we have probably around August. There's a ladies' night that we're introducing this year, a colour run. Um, and there'll be a few more events that we're, we'll surely run and have with the club.
0: It's uh, it's it's such a full program for the Hills Bulls, and I I want to just touch on um, the community aspect of the club because obviously the local community is very important to the Bulls. Something that I saw on your site was the Longhorns program. Can you talk us through what? That's involved with.
3: Yeah, the Long, the Longhorns um, program is a Bulls initiative um, uh, which provides support for those in need. We wanted to give back to the community in some way. We, d- we do a number of initiatives um, to give back or to assist, and this is um, something we felt was uh, very important. And it has it has affected us in the past past, which was um, uh, mental health. Uh, one of our members came up with the Longhorns idea, which was exactly what the club was looking for. Um, the program was developed to provide community support across the six key pillars, being mental illness, physical illness, minority groups, financial, community and charity. Um, the Longhorns utilises our strong sporting community and business relationships to assist with raising funds, engage uh, mentors and provide support. Uh, the Hills Falls Shed at Crestwood will be the meeting place where um, people can come at a set time, uh, monthly, get assistance, um, have a chat, um, have a coffee, and uh, kids can also participate in some fun activities and sport that um, we'll um, uh, be putting on. Um, so that's that's what that's all about.
1: That's a fantastic course. Yeah, that's just really, really good, boys.
3: Yeah, I suppose it's like, it's, in
0: some respects, there's a, there's a touch of the, the men of league, but I, I think it goes, you know, maybe past it a little bit in terms of maybe not so much the scale, but the... Um, the reach into the into the community of uh, people that make up the the uh, the Hills District.
3: Yes, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and and what what we found too is um we've we've been we've been touched unfortunately with um uh, tragic losses um three members um, with mental illness um and also on the the other thing too is well, there's, there's kids out there that just need sometimes just need someone to talk to or um, a, bit guided. Guided, yeah. bit, a bit of guidance along the way um better doing it tough so. Um, it may not be a mental illness thing, but it might be someone who's just in a, in a not in a great circumstance at home or uh, uh, with way things are going so it 's just something that we want to put on and make sure everyone feels that uh, there's someone, there's always someone there
1: that 's right knowing that there is just someone there to talk to is huge so yeah it's a it's a fantastic it's, initiative
4: probably something that we 've built the club on too is our coach the coach sessions um, speaking to our coaches and yeah at the end of the day the coaches the conduit between the club, the parents and everyone. And that's something that we reinforce with our coaches every year that um, we're not here to coach the next NRL player. We're here to coach that person and guide them to be better people in life and, you know, if they come out of that and go on to play at a higher level or play whatever sport they want, um, that's fantastic and it's great as a coach, you know, to get a call years down the track from people that you've coached. Uh, to assist them with work and uni and get your thoughts on that so it's a it's a big thing within the club
1: but yeah that that holistic brand of coaching is always really encouraging to see because you're like like you boys mentioned you're sort of in a position where you are life mentors for a lot of young boys and girls and yeah it goes a long way towards making them better people as much as better football players
4: most definitely. I mean, we're going to get a lot better people out of it than how yeah. many NRL players we're going to get, yeah. that's for sure. So yeah, exactly. I think we just have to take a step back every now and then and, and get perspective on why we're there.
1: Now, Sixy's mentioned the word reach before and, and what the Bulls do for the community. How important is Rugby League to the Hills community in general? Because you guys are obviously just, you're so interconnected with with people, whether it's from Rugby League to just OzTag and, and beyond. Uh, what what does rugby league mean to your community?
4: I suppose that's the first part of where the Hills Bull started rugby league, but obviously we've grown in that area and then helping the community. So as we mentioned before, we're a, a fairly big club in the junior junior leagues, and see ourselves not just as a footy club. Now we've got the league league
1: tag. Yeah, you're you're much more than just a rugby league club now, obviously.
4: Yeah, touch football, senior football. I mean, we've got the the cheer girls down there um, for the senior players, which is fantastic. Oz Tag, I mean, see, we've got a membership of well over 5,000 members, or there'd be plenty more than that, obviously. And then when you extend it to all your families and friends and everyone else, so you've got a lot of people there that we we actually touch. So what we decided to do a few years ago – We've changed our motto and our logo, as you would have seen on the, the website, to encompass the Hills Bulls Sports Club, which reflects all of our sports rather than just being known as a rugby league club, if you like. So, yes, I mean, our Oztag summer competitions played five days a week. We've got 12 fields all running simultaneously from five, 4 o'clock in the afternoon till 9 o'clock at night. The so,
1: logistics on that are just crazy. That, that, that is so impressive.
4: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's huge. Um, it would actually be bigger, the Austag. Um We have to actually knock players back and teams, unfortunately, every year. Um, we just haven't got enough ovals to cope with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We are working with council and have been – For a number of years, unfortunately, we lost a few ovals. So, hoping to get those back. But, I mean, with Oztag, obviously, that encompasses a lot of different sports. You've got netball, rugby union, other rugby league clubs, Mm -hmm. um, schools that, um, that we touch and they come down there and then they have a look and see what's going on within our club. So, we've got a lot of relationships outside of the club as well. The Lions Club Rotary as well that we work with. Um, And we assist a lot of local schools and schools with special needs and organisations throughout sponsorship, donating jerseys uh, and looking after some that are, I suppose, less fortunate.
0: Well, we're going to keep that um, community theme going too, because like any club, there's lots of volunteer roles that need filling. And you've talked about the scale of the Hills Bulls. So one can only imagine the number of volunteer roles that exists throughout the organisation, you must have a very supportive community behind you to, to have all of these different initiatives and programs up and running.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it is very interesting who gets involved at the club. Um, obviously, parents make up the majority of our volunteers. Um, however, we do have a number of people at the club who no longer have children playing, uh, but they continue uh, to volunteer um, year after year. We also have volunteers who have never had children playing, um, but they want to uh, volunteer for the club. These are just local people that just want to be part of a community, um, strong community, and that's what the club provides. These people uh, may may include being canteen staff, sports trainers, coaches, managers, um, people who manage or delegates who manage to touch football um, or Oztag, even our club photographer um, uh, is a volunteer that's never had a child down at the club. Um, it's just great to see that people get drawn to the Bulls and want to volunteer their time and also their professional skills.
1: And we, we know that volunteers are the lifeblood of the club and, and the value they bring is you you actually can't put a monetary value to it because of the community aspect of it. But for any club of any size, let alone one is, as gargantuan as Bulls is now, there are unavoidable expense, unavoidable expenditures sorry, as well. Uh, what type of assistance do you get to make ends meet at Bulls?
4: Um. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. The amount of sponsors that we have uh, is unbelievable. Their generosity coming back year after year just outstands us. Um, It's a lot of loyal sponsors that keep coming back. A lot of those guys used to play or have been involved in the club or then they've used their work contacts to be able to get more sponsors. A lot of the volunteers are, are coaches, board members, people that are volunteering as well. So, you know, if we didn't have that level of sponsorship, um, and generosity, we wouldn't be able to play at the level that we play at with our you know, A-grade Sydney Shield and Ron Massey competitions. Um, you know, We're not backed by our leagues club, obviously, so we need those people or otherwise we wouldn't be able to do it. And We're the only group, I suppose, around this area, the only club that's playing at that level without that backing, which is um, you know great to see. We're just enormously proud of and thankful for those guys that just keep coming yeah. back each year.
1: Yeah, that's a huge point of pride obviously.
4: Yeah,
0: and and obviously too, the, the um, Parramatta Leagues Club get involved as they do with every every club in subi- uh, providing an annual grant as well? They do,
4: they do and obviously reduce sponsorship costs uh, sponsorship, sorry, registration yep. costs I should say, Parramatta um, bring into, which is fantastic. Um, we must mention Matt Brady and his team at Parramatta that look after, you know, there's only a few people in that department and, you know, the, the love I suppose he has for the district and, and the amount of time and effort he puts in is actually, yeah, incredibly unbelievable and that's after hours, weekends um, and I suppose that's what makes Parramatta District probably the envy of a lot of other districts around, around the state and I suppose around Australia.
0: Well, we're actually, we will have Matt Brady as a guest on our uh, podcast. Uh, we're recording with him this week just to get a bit of an update on what's going on around the district. So uh, that's a nice lead-in for us with our, our upcoming chat with him. Um, I, I know this is going to be a, a, a tough question because it uh, requires a reflection over history and a range of programs that are going at the moment. But if you had to nominate one aspect
4: of the club that you're proudest of, what would that be? I suppose our mantra um, at the Hills Bulls is club, team, player. And all of our decision-making, um, all of our coaching efforts and what we reflect to everyone, we always try to actually bring that into our thinking and our decision-making Um the club culture, well, wow. Um, you know, you've got the the likes of Ron Hildidge and John Culp that are actually coming from three and six hours away back to the club, you know, to hand out jerseys and just be part of it, I suppose, just shows um, the pathway that they've been able to achieve and the respect that they have for the club. So they would have to go on all day to actually tell you that, but... Yeah, you've got that amongst the sponsors, the volunteers, the volunteers at the end of the day. If we didn't have that amount of volunteers, there would be no way we could run the club, the size of the club it is, and how professionally it's run. Um, It's always been run professionally, but um, when you've got that many people involved, um, the decisions aren't going to... Be right for everyone, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things people know where we're coming from, and if they don't like it, we're probably not the club for them. But um, it's amazing. A few years ago, we set out to be the best club in the district. In Australia, it was one of our goals as the board when we sat down and said, Well, what do we want to achieve? And from that, um, the last few years, we've become the biggest club in the Parramatta district i suppose those goals that we've been setting and what we're trying to do we don't want to be the biggest club we just want to be the best at what we do
1: no it's a really nice way to sort of draw out that aspect that you're proud of so well said mate um this is a uh, sort of the point where we start wrapping things up in our chat but we do we do love to try and connect any sort of listener that's in the in the district of a given club to said club so uh the Hills Districts obviously in, in campuses uh, a fairly large area, but if there is anyone who like to get involved with the Bulls, whether it's playing, coaching, sponsoring, volunteering in, in any number of ways, because you boys mentioned, you know, there's, there is so much volunteer work that goes into a club from the canteen to trainers uh, to you know coaching and everything beyond. How can they get in touch with you guys?
4: I'm on our website. We've got. Um, the people that run the club's names and numbers. So we're all open and transparent, happy for anyone to ring us. But our main point of contact is our club secretary, Rick Palin, who's with us today on this interview. He's the best person to get in contact. um, And we welcome all new players and officials and, of course, sponsorships, any way that you can help. So Rick's email is admin at au. Rick actually was voted in to be... A life member actually at our last AGM. Congratulations. So.
1: Thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and if there's uh, any uh, parents of a young kid listening to the podcast this week and they want to get their boy or girl involved uh, with a fantastic club like the Hills Bulls, uh, when do Regos uh, or when does the deadline for the Regos kick in?
3: Uh, we we leave our regios open for as long as we possibly um, uh, can. Um, we, we understand, we do, if there's, if there's needs uh, at other clubs or uh, the teams need to be filled somewhere else and we do have uh, surplus players, we do do that. Um, at this stage here, um, the regios will be open for um, uh, at least, well, registrations in the, in the junior rugby league leagues open until June anyway to cut off mm-hmm. um, uh, in regards to our club. We'll um we'll keep taking on registrations until we see that um the, the team numbers are full in a certain age group, and then we'll actually um assist people with um finding another club if um we uh, aren't able to
1: actually fit them into a team. Yeah, that's fantastic.
3: Okay. Yeah, I,
0: I I think that's brilliant that you assist there because as is often the case, if you if you don't have healthy clubs around, you haven't got anyone to play against. So everyone wins when you've got when you've got clubs that are able to field teams
4: exactly you know we supported a lot of the other clubs um, and we we speak to them a lot obviously Um, we've all got open lines of communication which Matt Brady has been a great conduit for that but there was a club in trouble there a while ago losing a few teams so we helped them out and um, we actually sponsored them and gave them different ideas to try and encourage people to get sponsors and uh, get people into the club so yes we need, we need all those clubs to survive and be as big and proud as they, as they can and play rugby league each week.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Mick, well, Rick, it's been a, a fantastic chat. Um, really, like, honestly, it, it is so cool to speak to a couple of boys at a club where it's so aspirational from the top to the bottom with a, a positive philosophy like you have there. It's uh, really, really good to see the balls thriving and hopefully, like I said, knocking on wood quite firmly – uh COVID gets out of the way for you boys and you can really get back to full stride out there because uh you know we talk about the Parramatta district being healthy when the Bulls are strong that the district's strong so yeah thanks for coming on and having a chat to us and yeah we'll um, look forward to getting back in touch uh, down the road and and sort of seeing how things are in a knock once again knock on wood uh COVID free or, or COVID light environment for you boys
4: Excellent. Thanks a guys, and we appreciate um, you reaching out to us and doing those interviews, which I think is an excellent idea for all of the junior clubs involved.
1: Yeah, it's, all, it's always a pleasure. But, yeah, thanks for coming on to the tip sheet, boys. And I think that's a sweet spot to wrap it all up here, mate. A bit over two hours on the podcast, yeah, you know, just a bit of golden point here on the tip sheet, extra value for our listeners. Um, as always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. It means the world to us. You can catch all the preview coverage of the NRL, NRLW, and lower grades on the Cumberland Fro, as well as all the post game stuff, including a, a live sh- that live show sorry, from Jack's Bar and Grill. Uh, 60s, mate, anything you want to say before we shut it all down for another episode of Tip Sheet?
0: Mate, just looking forward to the footy this weekend, and we'll round it off by being able to say good day to some of you in person. Jack's Bar and Grill, the Parramatta Leagues club, after the match on Sunday.
1: You beauty, go the Eels.